Good morning and welcome to Project Headphones Live, the internet sensation station from this isolation nation. We are a co-production of Project Headphones and supporting your art. I'm your co-host Sam. And I'm Becky. Uh, Sorry for the technical hitches this morning. Uh, It seems to be the things that I use to log into all the websites we need to run this just decided to not work yeah i mean um because obviously you know we're we're learning as we're doing we've had technical issues before um but this is the first time that it's been like completely unrelated to anything that like actually like is technical that gets us on the air do you know what i mean like it's not the mics it's not the system it's the password manager (laughs) it's just like that's something you never ever Think yeah, I was just thing in the way of getting on the radio. I was just pressing on all the buttons. I was like, "This isn't working. This isn't working. Why is this not working? This isn't working." So that was frustrating. That was frustrating. Um, so welcome. Uh, this is going to be our last Project Headphones live of the year. Wait, have I got? Oh no! I haven't just got sad noise. I've just got sad trombone, which is a little bit more pathetic than just sad noise. I wish I'd just had people like, ah. Yeah, that's kind of what we want. That's kind of what I wanted. That's that's what we needed. But that's not what I have. I've just got that and then I've got... That's a quiz noise. We can't really have that. Have we got... No. No, that still doesn't do it. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be the last one of the year uh, because we're going to take the next fortnightly show off and then then it'll be the 3rd um, of January, I guess. Yeah. That's weird. (laughs) I know, I can't think of, because this is every other week, mm. when we talk about the next show, so much, it feels like so much time will have passed by the time we get there. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, ugh. and the fact that it's getting close to a new year is alarming. But good, mate. I think this happens yeah. every year that everyone's like, oh, well. It's nearly the end of the it's year. It's nearly the end of the year. And how much worse can next year get? Oh, oh, do you know, actually loads of people said that <laughs> last year. Why was, I can't even remember why 2019 was bad, but was it? I mean, the the thing is, I've seen a lot of people's Facebook statuses come back to haunt them, especially at this time oh, of year when they're yes, like trying to relax. Fab. They're like, you know what? I can't be asked going outside. I never want to go outside again. And then loads of people commenting back on it like, this did not age well. This did not age well, fam. This is not good. I want to go back outside and see the people. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't even remember why 2019 apparently was bad, and everyone was looking forward to 2020. It feels so long ago. I can't remember. It's it's because we obviously all highlight the the bad stuff. But uh, yeah. this 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 episode, don't worry, we're not going to get. Uh, we we haven't got a social issue for you to stand behind. This is just going to be. Yeah. Uh, this is just going to be a fun episode talking about uh, HEMA fighting LARP uh, and Schools of Swords. Uh, it's it's going to be a great show. We've got two amazing guests on. Uh, we've got Fran from By the Sword and we've got Rachel who is uh, who goes to Empire LARP with us. Uh, she has been a general. I cannot keep up with where she is now. <laughs> she literally gave me a list of all the things she has been, uh, which is Field Marshal, Captain of the Marches, Runner, Skirmish Captain, Block Captain, and Line Sergeant. Oh, my gosh. And that's just an empire, and I know she does a lot of SEA stuff. Um, that's great. But Fran runs the By the Sword event in Godalming, and she uh, runs some of the schools of School of the Sword. Uh, she's got a new podcast out, which we're hoping to talk to her about. Uh, yeah, and it should be a great show. But uh, seeing as this is the last one of the year, we've got to really cram some stuff in. 
so we won't <laughs> have Christmas. So we'll just we'll just we'll just play a little bit of Christmas music now. Just see if we can. There we go. Oh, mm. is this a midi? A very midi Christmas? Listen, you leave Kevin McLeod alone. Like <laughs> he does. The man does work. You know. Yeah, I mean, you cannot underestimate the amount of contribution Kevin McLeod has made to the online video industry. So I, I think we should uh, thank thank the world for Kevin McLeod yeah. this year, uh, particularly. In, in case people who are listening who don't know who Kevin McLeod is. He creates royalty-free music um, that people can use. And if you've watched YouTube or listened to a podcast, it is likely, in fact, I can guarantee you've heard some of his music. It's incredible. Ooh, that tuba. This is Deck the Halls B. There is no Deck the Halls A. Don't need one. Don't need one. one. There's also... Cloud doesn't need the alphabet. No, he doesn't. He also has... Now, this one's called Christmas Rap. I have bought... Sam, Sam. Yeah. I just got whiter. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm actually having to save the screenshots of this so we can probably uh, credit it. But it says, so it says, I was commissioned to do some Christmas for the play Twas the Night Before Christmas by Ken Ludwig. The MP3 download uh, here is the main holiday theme rap <laughs> from near the end of the play. The uncompressed download comes with that as well as the girl mouse rap from earlier in that play, which you can hear right. SoundCloud as L'Astroi uh, for download. It's also as exciting. But the feel is bright and uplifting. Instruments, chimes, sleigh bells, uh-huh. drums and synths. I feel uplifted. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin does so much work. We've got, uh, like, um, I've got some Kevin stuff here. Hang on, let's pause that. This one's a Kevin. Yep. I bought this one. This is this is why I say you've definitely heard it, because it's in the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've we've done we've got Christmas sorted. Oh, thank yeah, goodness! That's Christmas all done. Oh, thank God, Christmas is sorted. Uh, let's see. I've just got to get. And then, what what other events happen this time of year? Um, New Year's. We've got New Year's. Okay, so uh, let's just hang on. Let's just hang on to this. So we've we've got in true um, radio tradition. Yeah, we've got to do. Sound only fireworks. Oh. Okay. Is this fireworks? This is the. Ooh. Oh, okay. So everyone was doing the countdown then. Oh, these. Oh, wow. Wow. That's. Oh. Aren't those blues great? Wow. The green. Am I right? Oh. There's. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that was a really good one. Ah, oh, yeah. You know that's... what? I'm I'm so happy that it's a new year. Yeah, these oh these are great. Wow. wow. It's definitely the new year right now. Oh, right now. Do you know what? I want somebody to sample this and play it <laughs> when it's New Year so that they can have the new year with us when you we know, can't be with them. You know what? This is definitely worth watching. This is the London Fireworks at twenty twelve in full HD. Um and they've just got a load of fireworks like lined up around uh, Westminster Tower. 
Big Ben's oh, yeah. chiming, and they've just got him like firing out the top of the turret. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Oh, so Sam is actually watching something. I am not. I thought we were just playing a game. <laughs> no, I'm actually watching the You're fireworks. You're actually watching them. I can't see them. So I'm with you, everyone. Oh, the, ooh, that's lovely. Ah. Oh. What good radio this is, Sam. This is great radio. Yeah. Radio is known for being a... A really visual medium. <laughs> well, this is uh, this is an old Terry Wogan joke that he would do every bonfire night. Okay. Uh, so it would be like, uh, good morning. Welcome to Terry Wogan show on uh, here on Radio 2. We're, uh, we're doing the radio fireworks. I don't know why he's gone Welsh. He's gone, he's gone Valley's Welsh uh, it's now. It's because you were doing a Welsh accent this morning. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I was. <laughs> so just, uh, but Terry would just like sit on and get all the producers and they're like, and here they go. Oh. And it'll be like a, and it'll be like, ah, <laughs> and just everyone would coo over the radio, which is just one of the most wonderful. That is great. BBC radio noises that you can do. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, the reason we're cramming all this in, as I say, is this is the last one of this year. So we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how soon we can come back. Possibly the third, but then that yeah. is still holidays. So I realise it's still a bit of a holiday. It's still space. holidays. Might be a nice way to start the year, though. Um, but yeah, yeah, we definitely want to continue. Yeah, um, it's because coming next year, we're changing yeah. how Project Heaven's Live is going to work. <gasps> what? So we've really enjoyed doing this kind of like. Sunday morning radio show. This has been really good. Uh, it's been so much fun, isn't it? It takes a lot of planning, uh, and I think we've had a lot of fun with it, and we want to try other stuff. Mm. So what we're going to do from now onwards is we're basically going to run one-shot podcast episodes. So if you've got an idea for a podcast that you're like, oh, I want to do it, but I could never do like yeah. the whole thing then that's what we're going to do. We're just going to take single single episode ideas. It could even be like, you know, episode one of 15, but we never get to like episode two. But it's just a, a concept that you want to noodle about. So we're going to... Yeah, yeah. I find that with a lot of creative stuff, and we can talk more about this later, um, you you get that kind of, that, oh, but I can't start it because I haven't done this and I haven't done that and da 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 And this just kind of, I guess, just takes the pressure off that and it's just like you're just gonna do one just do it just, yeah. just do it just uh so it. <laughs> so that could be uh i think <laughs> because I've, I've i've listened to so many podcasts and i'm like oh i could do one of those but like i couldn't dedicate like i listen yeah you couldn't do like a whole season because you're either just not as into the subject as that other person is or you're just like you know you don't have time yeah. or you're just not as jazzed about it to keep it going for that long, but you're really interested in the subject and you want to do like one episode. Yeah, exactly. This just kind of gives those ideas a home, doesn't it? Because uh, whenever I uh, listen to like true crime ones, they're always there like, yeah. next week we'll do this. And it's there like, whoa, 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 you've like crammed a lot of work in for next week. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... That's not possible. And then they're like, oh, yeah, here at the team. But you only ever hear the presenter's voice. So yeah, so you always of, assume it's one person. But the team of like, uh, but the thing about podcasting is like, you could hear the presenter's voice. And sometimes it's literally just them. 
Yeah. And they've put a lot of work in, but they literally don't do anything else. Or it's a team of people and they put in a lot of work. But sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Like our friend Chris, Consumer Creativity, it's just him. He's doing all the research and all the work unless he brings someone in to like co co-host it. Yeah. But he's doing all the research, all the sound work, all the yeah. editing. Um, so that's a lot of work. But it sounds just as good as a many staffed production show. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm really excited about this sort of new way of looking at it. And then, you know, obviously, occasionally there will be a show much like this again, um, but it's going to be just as fun and it's going to be, you know, um, it's essentially just a way of focusing the creation. So it's just the process is just a bit easier, really. Mm. So um, I don't think much is going to change in tone. I just think it's going to be, it's just going to be a better show. I think, I think, yeah, we're just going to try different stuff. We're not always, as you say, we're not always going to be doing like, full docu documentary episodes yeah. each time sometimes it could just be a fun quiz episode uh but it'll change it up um in a way so we're probably going to stick to the one every two weeks yeah so we can still keep going um but obviously we're going to reflect on other stuff like obviously there might be a vaccine that we're all going to take soon so we all might want to go outside for large portions of the time yeah so we might we might pump the brakes on the show a little bit um but yeah yeah but it's exciting and i hope that that sounds a bit exciting to you too yeah yeah (laughs) um so yeah uh other things that we've been doing uh we've both been exercising a lot um yes yeah so i've been doing my 100 days of exercise i've actually lost count of what day i'm at because i was now this is going to sound the weirdest thing i was keeping track via tiktok which and the TikToks are very funny. And in hindsight, tracking the amount of exercise you're doing via TikTok might not have been the best idea. Why not, Sam? Because I don't take my phone with me when I exercise. It's day eighteen. It's day eighteen, Sam. Chris yeah. has just told him it's day eighteen. Yeah, but Chris is so much hotter on Instagram, like than I am on oh, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris is using Instagram in a similar way. You were going to use TikTok, I suppose. Yes. Isn't he? Yes. Um, yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just very weird. Like I've, I'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, I can do this. That's fine. So I'd go for, I'd record the first part of the run, or yeah. like the my my getting ready. Your opener. My opener. Yeah. And then I'd go for a run, and then I'd record the end, which usually entails me saying this is horrid, uh, but I would forget to put what day it was. Uh, so I've not done that. So I need to like put in a calendar. I was going to see if I could work something out where I could put something into Google Calendar where it counts up the days for me, but that seems like a lot of work. I've only just managed to get it to say, go for a run every other day without it breaking my calendar entirely. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. Chris is sharing something. Did you go for a run today? Oh, okay. So he uses an app called um, Habits to do, like, um, just to, like, track certain habits that he's doing. Okay. He's using it to track running at the moment. So that's called Habits. Or, no, Loop Habits. Sorry. Uh, It just looks like one of those ones where it's like, you know, did you do this? And then you just go, yep. And then, you know, there's, like, nice-looking charts and stuff. To show you how successful you're being. Yeah. Um, 
So I have to I have to try that. Out. But I've I've been fairly solid on it. Uh, I've also been doing like hyper corporate things like running during lunch. Oh. I've been doing runches. Oh no, that's working quite well for you, I think. Well, it's because like <laughs> with my dyslexia, I get like a load of things that I need to do in the morning, and then my brain just goes like. I'll have lunch and sit down. Yeah. I need to take a break. But if I get, instead of taking the break straight away, I go for a run, then I can like break up my day a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at the moment, just because, you know, even though lockdown's over, things haven't really changed. Um, If you have a family group that's more than six, it gets really, really difficult to actually meet up. So things haven't really changed despite the fact that lockdown is over. So I think thinking of ways to break up the day like that are really it's really important. Uh, but like I do feel very corporate because I'm there like uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going for my run. Hi David, can you get back to me after lunch? Uh I'm going for a run now so I won't have my phone on me. Um uh, <laughs> And then we kept follow- finding these guys on TikTok who were trying to be like hyper Londonites. So they'd be like Yeah, yeah uh mozzarella come over uh we'll sort out account <laughs> oh mozzarella so good to see you uh so i text becky when she's at work at the library i'll be like uh hi i'm just uh on a run for lunch so don't contact me uh, <laughs> but like i leave my i used to bring my phone with me when i needed that to track my run but now i use my watch so i don't need that to track my run yeah so i just go for a run with like yeah that's good though because that's your your detached moment isn't it i mean i used to run and listen to podcasts on my headphones but the headphones that i needed to do that because i really hate headphone wires just got sweaty and and if i got those cool fancy detachable wireless ones they just go missing uh i feel like that's that's an expensive thing to fall away so i just run without it but yeah, it's been good. And then I've been doing uh, strength stuff on the side. Um, I did put into Hema Strong, which is a Facebook group uh, kind of basing off fitness strength. And they're just like, you just ask questions. But it's just a load of people who are really into their fitness. And yeah. they just want to add to the narrative of like people getting fitter. So I just went in like, hey, I'm struggling to do push-ups with uh, like full length push-ups am i okay doing it from my knees and i got like 20 comments like yeah no it's Just fine do it however you can do it however you can get your form right um but it was a very nice atmosphere no one was kind of butting over each other like oh no this is rubbish uh, yeah yeah it uh, seemed like a nice group yeah so i've often been like pretty intimidated by getting into things like fitness because you're like okay what what am i meant to do am i meant to pick this up like i've never gone to a gym gym okay because i don't i don't know what to do there (laughs) because i just i don't know what i don't don't know what to do there um well i've been to a gym a lot and it's debatable whether i know what to do there so (laughs) i wouldn't worry about it too much um i mean what what is good is as you say you just need to like build that confidence to go into the gym and try something different because for ages I just did the treadmill or the bike or, you know, the stuff that's like really clear what you're meant to be doing. Mm. Um, and then um, and then I got a, I had a intro session with a personal trainer and that was really good. And I wanted to, basically I wanted to kind of train smarter because of my chronic pain mm. and, you know, things, you know, my my recovery time 
I just wanted to kind of manage that because sometimes I'd do a workout from like online that I found online or something and then I wouldn't be able to work out for the rest of the week and that's no good especially for somebody with chronic pain um because you just need to be really consistent all the time as much as possible Mm. um so I think um yeah so I think that consistency is really key so I had a personal trainer session to kind of try to devise something for me and that really did help and I haven't been able to go to the gym this year obviously um and they are open again but i just feel a bit weird um (laughs) and um but that structure she gave me has really worked at home when i've been able to do it Mm. so just kind of having having that input even if you just get that intro session which is sometimes free um and then they can (laughs) offer like block bookings and stuff like that and uh yeah it's just good to get that insight for you specifically so there's a wealth of workouts and stuff online i think it's good to find it's good to talk to somebody about like your goals and they can see where you're at and they can devise something for you i think you have to treat your body the way it needs to be treated i think i've bought into the narrative that like movies and tv shows have told me like people who go to the gym are steroid like raging yeah uh, macho men who will like just uh like emasculate me if i walk through the door and that's just not the case gyms yeah. are places for people to just like socialize but like to to gain a lot fitness. of people aren't even looking at you no you know? no one really cares no one really cares they're just there to do their thing and then they're gonna go to wherever they have to go next see why i find quite interesting this kind of like counter narrative of nerd and geek culture that we've that I've totally bought into, which is like, yeah, you'll be fine with your knowledge. You don't need to get yeah, into the you're gym. You're smart. You're smart. You're smarter than That's the. That's f- all you need. You're smarter than the fitness people. And then you try and do a single push up, or you try and lift something at home, and you're like, I'm weak because I haven't trained any of my muscles, and I feel yeah. terrible because I haven't exercised or managed yeah. an exercise plan. And it's like, there is a really weird choice that you are kind of. I guess pressured or expected to make between your brain and your body sometimes. Yeah. It's like you can train both. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. You can do both. That's it. That's it. Full stop. Full stop. And there's no there's no there's like so many things you can do to get fit. Like uh like we'll talk later about HEMA and like uh fencing and all that kind of stuff that is like you you get to mess around with swords great that is an avenue of fitness you can pursue you don't necessarily need to like sit down and like do squats for three hours but also if you want to like just do squats for three hours like i've watched a weightlifting competition with uh my friend ben it was amazing Mm. at first i was like i'm not going to enjoy this but like seeing him like achieve things that were just incredible yeah yeah just completely unthinkable to you unthinkable and just seeing these people just like the camaraderie between them just like yeah yeah everyone everyone's stoking each other on and like this weird film narrative where everyone's like oh yeah well everyone's vicious and against each other's like what's the time they're just there and they're like hey i'm nice i'm having fun doing the thing that i like to do so let's do it together so yeah i think the the hundred days exercise thing is been working really well and we've been approaching it in the way that we need to each day mm. i think that's all you can do because um, it's it's consistency we're looking for it's not like we're training towards a specific goal or anything um i mean it's great if you can have a goal but i think just having a, a day goal is quite good because it means that you're not you're not kind of 
trapped into a plan if one day you wake up and you're like i just want to walk the dog today and that's my exercise Mm. yeah that's fine as long as you get like your 20 minutes or whatever that's fine get your heart rate up for a bit great yeah um yeah because neddy needs to be taken for two longer walks and a short walk yeah like we're at least doing about three four miles in a day without doing anything else yeah, yeah, just doing that, which is what he needs. And, mm. we, you know, that's kind of our baseline now, which has been great. It's really helped. Um, and then, you know, I, I may go for a walk at lunch. You go for your run. I go for my run. And I'll just go for a wander. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, as you say, it helps to kind of break up the day a little bit and helps me feel a bit better. And it also means I actually go outside. <laughs> well, I but was... on the days I don't walk Neddy, because you're walking him that day. I may not go outside, so it's quite nice to do that. I was watching a health and safety thing at work, and these people were talking about seasonal affective dis- uh, is it disorder, I seasonal affective so. disorder, yeah. uh, where different rates of sunlight affect how you're doing. Um, and so they were just recommending uh, where you should think about how you're, uh, how you take in. Uh, UV and they were saying oh just get a UV lamp on your desk and I was like every time I'm going for a run which is in the morning which at the moment is dark or yes. in the evening which at the moment is dark um, <laughs> so I'm like hey this might not be great like I don't think I suffer from SADS fortunately but like getting more vitamin D in my day mm. whilst I'm exercising seems like a no-brainer just win-win yeah absolutely um, I mean there's there's stats i saw ages ago random stats i don't know (laughs) when i saw them or yeah the context they're in but there's the the, i saw something that was like even during summer people in the uk may not get enough like sunlight yeah just because they're either inside or um it's cloudy and the sun isn't actually about in the same way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, getting one of those lights. I mean, I've, I've heard it can be, like, completely transformative for some people. I, I, in that particular meeting, it was like, hey, uh, I use UV lamps to, uh, sorry, uh, like sun sunlight replicated uh, lamps to help me stimulate vitamin D production. Yeah. And it's that, and... <laughs> And the person just went on like, yes, yeah, so that's how I help. And then someone at the end who obviously wasn't listening, they're like, oh, yeah, you can get sunlight replicant lamps to help you with that. So, so yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, they've, they've just said that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's there's lots of things that you can do at the moment to try and help yourself feel a bit better. I know that we, we kind of sped through the whole, like, Christmas, New Year, you know, all of those things um, because we won't have a show before those times or, like, during those times. Um, And and I know that people are feeling a bit rubbish because they can't see family or they can see family but they can't see all of them. You know, there's sort of all of these levels of interactivity that we can have over that time and it's hard to not be able to just do it the way you do it because you've got all of these traditions and... You know, you, you sort of have a structure to that time. So I was talking to somebody I work with the other day and they were saying, you know, t- I don't tend to see all of my family at once because they're all quite spread out. So, like, she'll see the Norfolk people over a couple of days normally. So, like, she'll see, like, aunts, uncles, and then the next day she'll see, like, 
cousins in this house or cousins in that house. And, you know, um, she was like, it's not, we don't have big gatherings over Christmas. She was like, I don't go to Christmas parties. I don't do any of that stuff. Mm. Um, and she was like, so it's, it's odd to be like, oh, we can be in a big group. And it's like, well, how do we work out which of these many, like, satellite groups get to be in the the big group? Because she was like, that's just not something our family does. Um, so that was quite interesting. There's, you know, it really does affect everybody in a different way. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a really weird mix of stuff. So I think anything we can do that will help, you know, by getting outside... Just, just for a little bit, doing some exercise, get that serotonin going, you know, get some daylight where, when it's here. It's a bit bleak today. Um, but any little thing you can do like that will help um, deal with this time, no matter what your situation. It's not going to fix it, but it's going to help a little bit uh, and just sort of build bits of resilience for you. Um, and it doesn't have to be big stuff. Um, I promise you every little bit really does help thanks Tesco um, so yeah just you know trying that lamp might be you know incredible you know um, just doing a minute walk is great I mean um, over the last few weeks I've been uh, I have a Fitbit watch and it does these two you have to do like 250 steps an hour and oh my these, god, that's the best! There's these little reminders that come on, and um, and it'll like boop my wrist if I haven't done 250 <laughs> steps that hour. And Sam just laughs at me every time because our desks, as you know, because I've said it all the time, they face each other in the office. Um, and um, and I'll get a boop, and Sam will know that it's 10 minutes to the hour every hour because I will pop up from my desk and I'll do my steps and he said he gets up and he joins in and Neddy is wondering what the hell's going on yeah um and it's just it's just very very cute and it's it's very nice and um and I tell you what that's quite a lot of extra steps so I have my reminders on from nine till five because that's when I'm sitting down you know that's when I'm not doing anything um and then um Yes, that's when I'm not really active. So that's when I need the reminders. And that's quite a lot of extra steps if you get those 250 in. Um, so yeah, it just means that my baseline is just that little bit higher each day. And to be honest, it's just really funny because I'll just get up and like run around the house for a bit. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. So like even that little tiny change has made a big difference for me, I think. So yeah, go and find your little change. Go find your change. Okay, uh, we're very excited. We have Fran here. Uh, I'm just going to add her to the the chat bit of Discord. Hi. Yeah, Sorry, it's really loud. Sorry, my headphones are really loud. Oh, I apologise. Yeah, we've got a lot of radio equipment, so we're really hooked up to everything. Uh, no, it's this end. It's just, that's fine there. Sorry, thank you. Sorry, thank you. I'm really sorry for the delay. No, no problem. Uh, I uh, picked a day to think I know the way to the office, and I, I was wrong. <laughs> oh, so we're getting you live in the studio, are we? Yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, my boyfriend's a—he's uh, a YouTuber, so he's lent me all his his rig. Oh, fantastic! Thank you very much, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're in our similar studio at home. We're kind of like mm-hmm. 
There's just got mics everywhere. I've got a big soundboard with way too many buttons, so it's just like... <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Any opportunity <laughs> I have, I go for these things. I've, I've, I still work um online so i'm i'm still in meetings and i've just got this massive microphone in front of my uh my camera and then people are like are you doing a radio show i'm like i can do and then (laughs) so worker like do i want an applause at the end of this meeting and i'm like i'm not sure you want me to really go full ham on this no no then your work meeting (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so thank you ever so much for coming on our very small radio show um so Thank I've, you for the invitation. No, it's it's a pleasure. Like seeing your Instagram live uh, interviews, uh, and then mm-hmm. sit, uh, coming off the back because I've found out through kind of the hemisphere that by the sword event mm-hmm. was happening, and I was uh, like, mm. I was sharing that with my partner. I was like, Hey, this is really cool. This is like something set up specifically for women and non-binary people. Like this mm-hmm. is a really really interesting project that's going and seeing kind of how that's grown. I mean, I think I've got yeah. you, I think I started following uh, a lot of their pages uh, when you'd already done quite a few events and you'd had quite the rise into the hemisphere. So it's really mm-hmm. great to kind of, and then just seeing you and you're like, Hey, I want to do a podcast. And I was like, right, this is, <laughs> this is, this is my home turf. <laughs> Uh, so i was like yeah you're speaking my language I'm speaking my language now because i'm like oh the instagram live things are great but i like keep missing them but i'm like oh podcast I can, yeah i can listen to those whilst walking the dog yeah you can tune yeah. into that whenever uh so my uh, um my friend he does a podcast called fencing by the book his name's mike and uh, he sort of reluctantly did a post about my podcast saying uh <laughs> instagram live is fine if you want to do post-workout selfies it's a bit rubbish for doing interviews but unfortunately fran is now doing real podcasts and she's going to take over and i was like no <laughs> i am subscribed to fencing by the book i, I listened to so yeah. many podcasts i had to double check uh i was there like i'm pretty sure i follow that one um, yeah it's super nerdy it's the nerdiest podcast of all well this is the yeah. this is the thing i find about humor is that like you can take it at like a fitness level and you can yeah. be like this is this is just how i get my fitness in like i was fencing with a guy at blackboard uh fencing academy who's like yep i like swords okay but i'm just here to like hit people and just like get a workout that's a bit more unusual and then there are mm-hmm. just these people who dive in like listening to some of your instagram live discussions about uh reading from the sources which sources do you find most correct uh it was really mm-hmm. great to see the range of discussion between the social aspects the kind of the community and then the the scholastic and and i think that's what's great about hema is just the wide variety of interest and engagement we're just fitness for nerds basically fitness for nerds who are like look this week i'm reading okay it is a workout but i am just gonna be sitting here with a coffee uh so fran uh, i know i i follow your work quite closely uh if you'd like to introduce yourself to our listeners hi uh so my name's fran laquata and i've been practicing hema since 2010 where i accidentally fell into it uh, after having my second child and i needed a hobby and this ticks all the boxes. Um, I now run um, a school called the School of the Sword in Godalming. We have three chapters uh, in Reading, uh, Oxford and Godalming. And I'm also the founder of a sparring group in London called Waterloo Sparring Group. I'm a co-founder of Esfinghes, uh, which was a movement for women in HEMA. And then um, I started this event by the sword 
in 2017, after thinking about it for about five years, I, I just decided uh, to run an event just for women um, and non-binary folks, um, sort of people who, you know, just might may feel a bit kind of left out sometimes or not represented enough. So an event just for them. Um, and I, I'm also, I organise a lot of, of events, like I was a co-founder of the Wessex League, uh, which we've now handed on to a new team, which is a wow. series of uh, tournaments uh, in the south of England. Um, so yeah, I think I think I, I, I've got 30 events, international events under my belt now. Cool. That's amazing. He is one of these things that just has so many worlds within worlds. Like, yeah. We, uh, about five, uh, after I got into Hema, I got into a lot of LARP and we just kind of went, these people can't exist. There can't be 2,000 people who want to meet in a single field. And just hearing the breadth of Hema stuff, who were like, oh yeah, there's so many tournaments. Oh, I can't move for tournaments. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never seen these before in my life. So you, yeah. so as you say, you got into Hema after your second child and you were like, listen, yeah. I need something. I like, need my get thing. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it, what was it about, I mean, presumably you like me just always been like, swords are pretty cool. I yeah. wish I could do something with that. Yeah. Everyone you speak to, they when you sort of uh, meet them, when they start HEMA, you say, well, why do you want to do this? And they go, well, I've always loved swords. Mm. Um, but that's true for pretty much everyone. Uh, it's it's in our culture. It's, it's, you know, little kids, you give them a stick, they'll turn it into a sword and they'll play. Um <laughs> You know, they, they they've they've proven that it's it's just something that we we love as, as human beings. We just love playing with swords, and just the objects themselves are sort of iconic. And um, yeah, so what got me into it? Why it appealed to me? A, I needed to get out, but it was just way more engaging because of that. You know, that fundamental draw that swords have you know it's it's not a zumba class or a, or a pilates class is it it's, no it's, it hits you on a, on a different level i think uh i found one of your discussions really interesting um let's see if i can go back to it because i've i've deep dived uh lynette noshbauer uh when you talked oh, yes. about her about neurodivergence and hema yes. and that that yeah. really hit me because i'm dyslexic and i was there like oh this is yeah. an interesting thing to talk about neurodivergence and then you were like yeah it really helps me engage and i can do a soft focus and i can like tune into certain aspects i was like oh wow okay that's why hema really hits you <laughs> um, yeah the the number of people you know you can't swing a sword without hitting someone who's on the spectrum or has adhd or well, it depends if they're, they're up for the fencing if they come into the spiring then they're gonna get hit <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh yeah another thing i found is that everyone in hema is a, is a writer as well yeah uh, or an aspiring writer at least um, uh i've quite enjoyed a fantasy novel yeah everyone wants to like listen i know how swords definitely work now so this yeah. is it i, I might see this in a book my sword my yeah. sword writing would be better because i know how it yeah. works um so what yeah, oh. So after like getting into the group, so what made you to develop by the sword the event? You said you were very interested in kind of uh, making something dedicated for women and non-binary folk. Like, what drove you yeah. to that? Was it a was it something you wanted from yourself, or you saw there was a gap? Yeah, I saw a need. You know, like mother is uh, sorry, necessity is the mother of invention. To mm. say like uh, whether it's necessary or not is is another question. But I. When I, I went to my first event in 2010 and 
uh, it was organised by my school, and it was a it was all it was a rapier tournament, and it was my, the first tournament I entered, and I kind of drunk it all in like the whole experience, and I was struck by how few women were around. There were a few, but like it's that kind of um, there's a strange kind of bias that we have where if you see a, a picture of a group of people. If there's say ten of ten people and three of them are women, you'll think, "Wow, there's loads of women." Yeah, <laughs> and it's not—it's not even half. It's not loads of women. No. Um, so, like, you go to an event and there'll be maybe out of, of fifty people, there'll be ten women. Um, and it was quite striking for me, to me, as someone who never sort of did martial arts. People who've done martial arts will say, well, "That's that's normal." Mm. It, yeah, yeah and uh to me that's not like just because that's how it's always been doesn't mean that's how it should be um so i i uh two years after that i start i was involved in the beginnings of a group called esfinges which is uh, an international group so for women who do hema to just like chat to each other and, and interact and one of the things we did when we started out one of the sort of ideas that was chucked about was having a sit was having an events uh, for the group mm. of uh, women and girls, and it it never actually happened. So when I uh, retired from the group and I didn't have the workload anymore, I was like, "Oh, I need a project." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not overly busy at the moment. So, yeah, yeah, I've got time on my hands. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm just one of these people that is always having. I always have to have a thing to do. Um, you might have noticed. Um, hey, I decided to start yeah. a radio show out of nowhere, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, well, I can, so I will. So I, uh, I had uh, the time to put it together. It was never, it wasn't going to be big. I think we had originally the idea was going to be very low key, and I was sort of chatting to a bunch of friends, and it was just going to be like literally ten of us in a field, um, just whacking each other with swords but then we were like let's let's put a bit more effort in so mm. yeah, we can do better than that so the first event was 30 second event was 60 and then last event last year um was 90 uh, nearly 90 wow. people and having organized a lot of tournaments that was at the time the largest steel tournament i'd ever organized which i wow. think is quite striking and considering they were all women and non-binary folks well, I'm. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm. I'm hosting this radio show with my partner Becky. I've, I've realised I haven't introduced her yet, so Becky's on the other on the other microphone here. Hi. And I was always showing. Hi, Becky. <laughs> and I was always showing her, like, because obviously, as you say, uh, Hema has. Uh, there's a lot of white men in it, and uh, I really enjoyed in a lot of your interviews. You were like, "Listen, if you make a club, white men will find it." They'll just they're they, like zombies. You, you don't need to <laughs> yeah. advertise it or if anything. If you make it, they will come. They they will just yeah, appear out of enough. nowhere. Because they've just, I think it's because of certain avenues of discussion or uh, kind of thinking, well, if there's a club, it's for me, so I will just go. Yeah. Uh, so it's I'm- a confidence thing, isn't it? I think I think um, quite a lot of women experience that like, oh, you can go do the thing, but don't engage in it beyond like the group. Um, it, when mm-hmm. it gets to com- competitiveness, I don't think that's nurtured in women the same way it is no. in men. Um, so, you know, I've... I've wanted to do quite a lot of things and you're just like oh but it feels kind of it doesn't feel right even though I know that that opportunity is open to me you're like oh but I don't know if that's something I 
could do or you know it's just a confidence thing i think but i was it's, able it's permission. It's permission oh absolutely yeah yeah that's exactly if someone it. thanks you you're allowed to do it but i finding images of your event on your website just wall-to-wall women looking like they're having the best time knocking the snot out of each other was just really <laughs> really great fun i was like wow this this event looks like one i would go to this looks really good yeah. but yeah it was really well, it was really great sorry. to see that I, was say, I got a lot of guys saying i'd love to go to this but i can't <laughs> and i and, and i was like uh and i i felt i felt the pressure from the chaps even though they weren't like saying they weren't being nasty about it saying yeah, yeah. Oh, why are you only doing it for women because you know basically any event that they go to except for this one is for them so exactly. yeah it's, I, it's not it's not like anyone's being left out however i did feel like as i say if if there's if there's a window free and a calendar i'll fill it with a hema event <laughs> i ended up uh i ended up organizing two events a year with the instructors from mm. by the sword for everyone so it's a oh, an event. It's, it's just it's, there's one called Swords of Winter and the one there's one called Swords of Spring. Mm. So they're twice a year. They sort of bookend by the well by the swords in the spring. But it's just so you've got two events a year. They're just one. They're just uh, one day workshops only, no tournaments. And it's a chance for the folks um, who who didn't get to come to buy the sword to come and hang out and do the classes uh, yeah. with with everybody else. So it's you know saying saying it's only for women, but we we do. Do cater to the chaps as well. <laughs> I think that's that's what's incredible about it, though, because um, a lot of things I've seen that are kind of created for like um, women only or non-binary folk. I think um, it, it's nice to see an event for those people that is mm. an aspirationally good event. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like often, often those kind of events that are you know made just for those people. You know, the other, you know, the other people are like, oh, it's just their thing. We, we won't go. Yeah. That's fine. But it, it's lovely to hear about something that actually is, it's just, it's just a really, really good event that happens to be a fantastic space for these people that actually mm. other people are looking at aspirationally and going, God, that's how it's done. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I want, I want people to look at it and go, I can do that. Yeah. And like, and do their own events, like with a you know whatever twist they want to put on it um rather than Fran's the person that does it it's like no like yeah I can do it so so can you yeah so what what's the general reaction we've discussed that loads of people have been really kind of excited and going like oh my god and so much so that you're like listen we're gonna have to make side events I I think I I, I agree you you need to keep side show for the boys yeah so I, I really love this I've found a lot of parody accounts for like um like a lot of anti like uh websites where they've got like t-shirts for women that just say scientist and then for men it says male scientist or male scientist i'm I'm just really exactly is they're like oh this is this is a male hema event you know where men can is they're Mm. like perfect we need but yeah i think it's really good that you're making these ancillary events so you're not excluding but you're maintaining the core event for exactly what it is were you surprised by Mm. The reaction from uh, women and non-binary people coming to your event. Obviously, the numbers are going up and up and up. So it's obviously doing well. Yeah, obviously this year's been a wash, but mm. um, I, 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 I'm just going to keep pushing it into the future. It's not going to, it's not going to be defeated by COVID. Mm. Um, but the, yeah, the, the, there is a, the reaction surprised me. Um, I, 
you know, behind the scenes, the reason I decided to make it not just women, but women and non-binary folks is because I got a few messages from people saying, oh, is this an event for me? I don't identify as female uh, or male. Um, and I don't, and I, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm welcome at regular events, but I don't want to be uh, excluded from this one. And I don't want, I don't want to turn up and feel that I'm in the wrong place. And so mm. I said, you know what, let's, let's make it about you. Let's, let's specifically explicitly say, this is for you. It's not just, you know, for the for binary people. Um, so include, including them just so that, you know, there's no doubt about whether they're welcome or not. They're absolutely welcome. Um, and the reaction I get, as I say, from everyone is overwhelmingly positive. Um, but the actual on the day reaction always blows me away because you'll get people turning up um, with, you know, a lot of women who are women in general <laughs> suffer from anxiety, mm. personal anxiety about social anxiety, all kinds of anxiety. And that's why I get a lot of inquiries before anything happens saying, is this mm. for me? Is this okay? I, I don't, I don't know anything. I don't know anyone. Am I going to be okay? Like they just want someone to say, yeah, yeah, you're fine. You'll be, you'll yeah. be all right. It's going to be okay. And so they, they come in not sure of themselves, uh, but but willing to give it a go, you know, and I think, well, hats off to you because, you know, it's taken a huge effort to sort of just get through the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the time they leave, like you said, you see those photos of people absolutely, you know, grinning from ear to ear. By the time they leave, these people walk in. Um, I'm not making this up just to try and sell my event. It's all in the testimonials. <laughs> but they sort of they walk in feeling like really like I'm not sure of themselves, and they leave with you know like five really good friends by the end of the weekend. Like just oh. really, it's a real bonding experience. I found, which is not what I predicted it would be at all. No, but I'm, I'm glad it is. But it seems like everyone who's involved, and especially anyone who comes on your Instagram live, uh, by the way, your collection of friends who you're able to interview is just amazing. Like. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy obviously Nushbauer's interview was great. Um, for those of you who don't know, she worked on the TV show. Oh, come on, the Brit. Um, Time Commanders. Time Commanders. Thank you. Uh, she's, <laughs> yeah, uh, and what? she's she's been on the History Channel many times as a talking head. And I was like, so. I knew that voice, but obviously it's a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wandering around my house, going, "What that face?" And then you were like, "Time Commanders." I was like, "Oh my god!" And then uh, yeah. I really enjoyed your interview with Joe Wickham um, in uh, sorry Wimborne in in Wales. Yeah. Uh, and hearing kind of how she's organised her her um, chapter and just getting everyone in and just saying, okay, yeah. you need to advertise just like you need to do this one is for women and you can bring them in, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. put women on the imagery where you know show your colours where the uh, show oh, the cutie humour patches. Oh yeah, cutie humour. Yeah, I've got a couple flag, that yeah. I need to um, decide if I'm going to sew onto these current fencing trousers yeah. or a funny it's just where do you put them <laughs> yeah exactly yeah because i've only got one you know and i need to go on the, the right thing <laughs> uh, but it, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to such a broad discussion and i think it's mm. been really good um and you ask really pertinent and interesting questions because you know them all so intimately uh, so mm. it's just really great getting that kind of content richness out Whereas I've heard other, you know, mm. similar s- similar works can be somewhat stale, just kind of talking about the the very kind of 
basics of the the academia but you're kind of like a very rich you don't miss any of the academia but you're also asking them as a personality it makes the whole community Mm. feel much more vibrant and colorful and it helps someone like me to connect with it and as you say get that Mm. confidence of seeing a broad spectrum of people talking about the subject and I'm like oh okay Mm. cool I'm just another one of those people who wants to give it a go if that makes sense yeah yeah uh it wasn't my intention for By the Sword to be a, a big advert for HEMA, but that's what I've turned it into. <laughs> so it it's was working. like, uh, yeah, like I, I was, it was literally like this lockdown. I, I've got nothing to do. I miss my friends. Yeah. I'll, I'll call them and we'll record it and, um, and make it kind of, you know, inf- like informative. And uh, these, the ones, episodes coming out now, mm. They were, they were recorded seven months ago, and I've slept since then, so I don't know what I said. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of them I've been, like, I've been loading them up and having them ready to go, and I'm not listening to them until they come out. Uh, I, I'm not making an awful lot of effort to edit them because I'm, I'm just literally just doing it on my phone. Yeah. And um, I'm trimming the beginning and the end so you don't get all that, oh, can you hear me, stuff. Um, <laughs> See, I don't I, I've know- tried to minimise that. No, um, we need to know that it's 2020 by everyone saying, you're muted. Uh, can you yeah, hear me? Yeah, you're muted. Oh, it's your video off. It's yeah. your video off. Yeah. Uh, Sign of the time. Yeah. I, I think... So I... Sorry. Uh, no, I, I, I think the way that uh, you don't need to edit them, I think the, the organic way that here's a conversation between two friends or, or when you're doing your roundtables, uh, I, mm. I think that really lends itself to the energy of the show. If it... Mm-hmm. So whatever season two is going to be like and i'm very excited i've really enjoyed yeah. season one i can't wait to tell you <laughs> oh, yes. uh, but i've been i've really because obviously you've uploaded them up to anchor and then that's distributed them out and for some reason my podcast yeah. google podcast is awful and it's just taking oh, so yeah. long um and so just like i get a batch of about five so i can just like mm like binge them all together as you say you've recorded some of these seven months ago so that you're yeah. there like oh. it's all new to me when i hear yeah. it and i'm thinking i was saying i was saying a friend of mine like you you do this stuff and you think does anyone really care is anyone interested in this stuff and then you listen to it back and rather and it's different to listen to it rather than watch it mm. i think it's a different experience to just hear voices than to see people uh, you know scratching their nose or whatever and, and giggling on the screen <laughs> but um it is very different and um because i like podcasts because you can you know walk the dogs or go for a drive or do your laundry or whatever and still take it in but it's um it's i I was listening to them and i was thinking actually these are all right you know someone might actually actually like these (laughs) they're not bad i've heard much worse like team meetings where high level stuff is discussed over my company than the Mm. the quality of the audio over instagram live and it's and I really get pernickety about audio quality. So if the audio quality is bad, yeah. I'm out. But these have been really good. Uh, and the conversation has been so good that I'm like, yeah, now I'm in. Uh, so I'm excited to see what you're doing in the future. Um, mm. So you've a question that often pops up a lot in your Instagram live questions is starting a club. Because a lot of people are just mm. like, there's no club near me. It's, I really yeah. want to try it. I really want to try it. Because you can get there's no one here. There's no yeah. one there. I can engage with the sources as much as possible on my own, but I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, so what? So I've I've generated a couple of questions. Starting a club, mm. can anyone start a club? Theoretically, yeah. The thing is, it's it's not a recognised sport, 
So there's nobody to uh, authorise you, mm. but there's nobody to tell you you can't either. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 it like a lot of clubs, because there's no kind of, um, as I say, no overall organisation like FIFA or the FIA or, you know, any sort of sporting bodies, mm. uh main organization to report to it's down to the individual clubs to regulate themselves and you know it's a bit of the wild west out there uh you do end up with people because people like sprout out of other clubs what tends to happen is someone starts a club it gets really big and then other clubs sort of sprout off of those there's little fractions and then they go off and they split up into different ones and they have different ideas and have going in different directions and stuff. But yeah, theoretically anyone can start a club. What happened um, in the early days of HEMA was in the UK in particular, it grew out of the reenactment scene. So people mm. who are already reenactors sort of looked at it, looked into the sources and said, Hey, there's something here. Let's look into this. Um, let's study the actual fencing of the time. Let's see if we can, you know, turn these, weird books into into sense and get it to work and it would often be and, that, and this is the case in the usa as well it would just be two blokes yep. in their back garden with sticks <laughs> trying to sort trying to trying to understand uh, and make sense of it all yeah and and you know time goes on they gain confidence they start to uh understand and make sense of it but like the point of in time we're at now is we've got things like the Victor Hour, which is um, a huge repository of of uh, sources, mm. and you've got the people who read them and understand them and discuss them and can uh, give you interpretations of them. And as a would be instructor, you have a, such a wealth of of resources at your fingertips, literally. Oh, yeah. um, if you wanted to become an instructor. Um, my friend Schnee, uh, she sent her, her friend, I called her her protege, much to her amusement, <laughs> her friend Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Champion, who's got the best name in the world. Oh, um, she sent, she sent, she wanted to do HEMA. Hmm. And she, she's a medievalist. And uh, I think her degree was in Merlin or something like that. She's, she's really cool. Oh, wow. But she like she, wa- she wanted to do... Um, she wanted to, to be a HEMA instructor. She wanted to help out Shani with her brand new club, Stratford's uh, Swords. So Shani sent her off to Vancouver to do an intensive course and become an instructor. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, I, 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 and I think that is the modern way of doing it, is mm. to literally do a course rather than bumble your way through and hope something sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I is how it, most of us get I think I admire the kind of grassroots origins of kind of HEMA where you just get people who's like, okay, I've picked up cold steel. It's time to learn military British saber. Everyone yeah. come to the village hall and we'll try and decode yeah. what Hutton's trying to say this week. Uh, yeah. But as, uh, and you're right, the Wigton Hour is such a great um, repository for knowledge and having it accessible to everyone without paywalls or so, some more mm. governing bodies saying, okay, this is how you have to do it. It's such a good way to get people on board. But I think you're right to do proper instruction and proper teaching. You need to be taught how to teach. You need to be yeah. able to do that mm. with people and able to flex, uh, be able to be flex it. Cause I think 
humor is that wonderful blend where for people who are very kinesthetic learning, I do by, I learn by doing, sorry. So actually going through the motions of learning and kind of staring at Hutton's very blank face as I'm trying to do something um, is is really appealing. Whereas I've often tried to sit down and just read it without doing it. And I'm like, I can't do this. But as you say, people have engaged with it so much. There's, I mean, there's YouTube channels are plenty saying this is how I've interpreted this or and and hearing about um, various tournaments where people who found very very old maneuvers and been able to interpret it i think there was a swordfish event about five or six years ago where someone mm-hmm. won the finale using uh a Reverse technique thrust, yeah it was something crazy that hasn't been done for like 500 years because some people were like yeah. no that source is just rubbish and they won it yeah. using that and there's like it's it's wonderful i think i think it's really yeah. great yeah that's awesome when that happens <laughs> that's what it's all about <laughs> getting it to work for real under pressure exactly uh now i've fallen for this trap i've uh so when you're starting in hema you obviously want to buy the sword first but that's possibly not the best route to go down uh no. when you were talking with joe you were like everyone wants <laughs> to buy the sword and yeah. you realize that the sword needs to hit people in places so it's possibly best yeah. to start off with with safety equipment so is there yeah. anywhere you recommend just having a browse or maybe nudging people over this christmas period uh well i my beginners i tend to point them in the direction of the night shop mm-hmm. uh brian tunstall's a lovely guy and it's you know it's a british business uh we would want to support our local businesses exactly um but it, it, he's brilliant for stocking hema gear for people starting out they do things like uh uh starter packs so oh, great. you get a, a bundle of stuff for just protective gear so you know resist the swords resist the shiny <laughs> and get the sensible thing yeah. <laughs> spend all that money that you would have spent on 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 that pretty sparkly sword on your head and get a mask yeah. um it's gonna be hard but you can do it <laughs> yeah you can do it you can do it <laughs> but yeah the, the night shop um other places like i got my mask from gaia doni but they've sadly closed down now although i do hear that they have been bought out by another business so they might still be in business Mm. um absolute force are another good place to get your lid Mm. usa manufacturer um i know leon paul uh the sports fencing company tried to get in on the hema i don't know what i saw a lot of very pretty (laughs) looking masks that i would need to empty my bank account out for oh Uh, yeah but I don't know whether anyone's actually engaged with them yet. But they look amazing. I, I've I've witnessed uh, the melmet. That oh they yeah. Made. Uh, um, a guy called Richard Richard Jervis, who's who's one of our students in Oxford. Mm. He bought. He went out and splurged on all the super ultra protective gear. Uh, like he bought the Titan jacket. He got the melmet. He got mm. like the leg protectors and everything. And he's bomb proof, you know. <laughs> and uh he said like with the way that the the leon paul i don't know if he's got like a prototype or what but the Mm. way it works is it's basically like a knight's helmet but it's sort of like a modern looking one it's like perforated and it's steel and it locks onto your head and if you take a, a strike to the mask rather than going through your you know sort of rattling your skull all the force sort of is pushed into your shoulders. Oh, okay. Um, and it's got like a sus- in the suspension system as well. It's very 
Wow. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that even, like, it sounded expensive when you were saying <laughs> it. You know? Like, it's got that vibe. <laughs> I've always enjoyed watching all the HEMA groups on Facebook saying, there's a new glove out. Really? Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. And, everyone, okay, okay. and everyone basically, like, kind of encircles the glove, like, does it look good? Yes, it looks good. Okay, okay. Is yeah. it cheap, sniff, though? Sniff. Yeah. Yeah. Can someone do a video test? So someone smashes like a, a feather across the, the hand for five minutes and the person's like, look, I'm not in too much pain. See? Um, <laughs> but it's really good that I think now is the time. If you were going to get into HEMA and you were worried about safety before, I think now's the time because I think safe, the safety precautions have been brought up to such a level where entry is not prohibitively expensive and yeah. the gear is good enough mm. that if you're going to a local club, it's you're going to be safe. You're going to be harmed. I mean, uh, when I, I started, God, must have been to twenty fourteen. I was working in London, so I got Matt Easton to beat me up a little bit every other weekend. <laughs> and then I went up to Cheshire, and there was the Black Boar uh, Fencing Academy, and they were really good. But we we were all doing saber, so I wasn't in too much trouble. Um, and then I went, I did some work in Wales, and I went to the Red Dragon Fencing Academy. Boy, did I get oh, right. some welts! Those guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. should have given you some gear before they beat you up. Hey, I had I had a good jacket. I had a, I had the Red Dragon mask. They're like, oh, this is all pretty good stuff. But I was there like, I was there like, well, I'm used to saber, so this is fine. Just a little gentleman who <laughs> taps upon the arm, and that's fine. And they're like, great, I'm going to do what's. If cool. I'm right, yeah. the, Red, the Red Dragon Fence Academy is in the same building as the night shop, isn't it? I think uh, I went to. I must have gone to one is of their it like other in the ones. warehouse or something. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get to that one. There was one at a leisure center. I was doing some, oh, okay. I was doing some bat surveys in Anglesey. So I did like a one and a half hour drive up to there to do, to get beaten up. And then I went back and then my <laughs> teammates were like, are you okay? I, was like, I had a great time. Sam, you have got a black eye. Yeah. Well, it was, a knife, a, good time. It okay. was a knife fight, <laughs> but it, good. it was great, but it was a long drive to get beaten up. Um, <laughs> uh, so we've got some questions from our listeners. Uh, would you like oh, to answer wow. them? Yeah, of course. So, uh, Kat has said, what and where are the materials you use to draw on these historic techniques, apart from YouTube and videos and such, in case you want to start practicing with their housemates and quarter stuff at home? I think you've previously said Wicton Hour, uh, but is there kind of yeah, like Yeah, Wicton Hour is free. Everything mm. is free. It's all links to PDFs and websites and stuff. Um, but it depends what you want to do. Um, yeah. I mean, the majority of folks want to do German longswords, so... Uh, there are books, actual physical books that you can buy, um, which are uh, um, a good place to start would be probably something like um, Keith Farrell. He's a UK instructor. Um, I think he's based in Liverpool now. Mm. He's written a very good longsword study guide, it's called, I think. Um, and it's it's a good place to start because it, it's, it's very textbooky rather than strange old yodi you know yeah some of the um, translations hard to understand dense text it's so, just a book about how to do it some um, of the translations are wild yeah <laughs> even cold steel with hutton he speaks in a very weird way that isn't very direct and then if you're yeah. not if you're not used to fencing you're like okay well these are the guards are numbered in french but the cuts are not mm. but the french isn't always direct french so i don't know what i'm doing here uh, but yeah, so like kind of pick a, pick a weapon you want to start with and engage with. Uh, I remember you saying that Maya is a pretty good all-round starter kit for Hema without the wrestling. Yeah, because yeah, Maya, Maya is like later German. Mm. 
and he he covers a whole wealth of things um because he was teaching people not only longsword he was doing things like the sack um and rapier which is what they call the side sword mm. and in in and the, the 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 feathers that we see now are from that period so that they were used to compete with so they're non-lethal um swords but they are swords because they would be used in a competition or a, a classroom um sort of context rather than as a self-defense weapon yeah but they're, but they're still full weight but that what I always yeah. get is that people are surprised about how light most swords are. They try, mm-hmm. they pick one up and they go. They've they've seen movies and TV. They're like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be hell to pick up. And they're like, oh, it's light. And I was like, yeah, it's light for yeah. the first twenty minutes, and then you really get <laughs> stuck in. Um, yeah, people do really hone hone in on like the weight of these objects. It's yeah, the first thing they mention, like uh, you say, like. I think because when there was these myths, lots of myths have been perpetuated about knight swords weighing. Oh, D and D's a culprit as well. Oh, damn! Uh, saying how 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 much how much a sword should weigh and stuff. I so, get really angry about how much damage they all do. So they're like, oh, oh well, yeah. a saber can only do this much, but a longsword and a rapier can do that much more. I'm like, you listen here, right? <laughs> it's bigger. It does more. Yeah, and they're like, oh, it only thrusts. Listen. They only no. said rapier thrust because everyone else was doing cutting at the time. Like, vary it up. Um, anyway, that's a side argument for another day. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, <laughs> getting starting in at kind of like entry-level budget-wise, Red Dragon are really good. Uh, obviously, as you mm-hmm. say, they're English. They're like in Wales and England, and a lot of their gear is widely accepted. These synthetic swords are really good. I've had, I've had the same synthetic saber for six years, and it's fine. Uh, yeah. if you need to adjust it because they sell it as a back sword so the basket hilt's really big um, you just saw off the bottom two rungs and then you're able to turn it into a saber <laughs> and you can get your glove in yeah. and you can get your glove in my god yeah first yeah. I was like it hurts my hand to use and it's like well that's because you're using it in a weird way uh, and then Matt's like just saw this off I'm like Matt I don't want to saw this bit of the sword off he's like my it's... baby <laughs> yeah I'm like this doesn't feel safe he's like nah saw it sand it you'll be fine I was like okay and then Lucy was like, yeah, no, it's a sensible thing to do. Matt's just not on one. Um, our, my friend Jordan, uh, he is in the acting sphere. He does a lot of voice acting. Now, how closely Ooh. does stage, film, and TV, uh, and even video game combat compare to uh, what we do in HEMA? Because I've seen a lot of HEMAists just share the same video of like, all right, let's watch this Let's watch this sequence and really tear it Near apart. It yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think I started out with that attitude when i was uh when i was younger mm. uh but i i've uh, you know one of i don't know how far you've got caught up with the series but one of my interviewees was kelly costigan who's a actor and she she does a lot of stage combat so we talk about that a lot in her interview and um and her experiences on stage and stuff and i think she really opened my eyes to it because I think, like a lot of people, I go into these discussions about stage combat making a lot of assumptions about how they fight and uh, because of what I've seen on screen and, and how they learn and things. So you, you as if you come at it from the perspective of a HEMA person where you're actually trying to hit each other and yeah. then you see people who are 
doing their best is to do the exact opposite, <laughs> like not hit each other, but make it good. You, 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 if you, you're going to go, ah, that's not real fighting. No one would really do that kind of thing. Listen, you'd um, always chop them right at the neck, but if you're going to have to work yeah. with this, pe- with these people doing three <laughs> shows a day for who knows how long, <laughs> you don't want to be like, listen, I'm pretty good at percentage chances. It's not good. Yeah, so there's variations like, and then, of course, people looking at it from the other perspective. So stage stage combat folks looking at HEMA Mm. will probably see something quite dull and not very engaging uh, because there's, you know, the movements are smaller, not as demonstrative. Mm. There's, you know, it goes on too long uh, or or it's too quick (laughs) or whatever. It's not... In, it's not in the rhythms that they're expecting to see. Yeah. But you've got to remember, it's like when people tear into like uh, Battle of the Nations and things like this, it's apples and oranges. We've got different motives, different goals. Mm. We're not, we're not, you know, these are all adjacent spheres, but they, and we have a lot in common, but, you know, it's the differences that are important. There's no point sort of getting all your knickers in a twist because it's not realistic or whatever. It's it's about balance. Yeah, so I think when it comes to stage fighting, it's the objective um, of how you're practicing, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be believable, but it's got to be entertaining. Yeah, so it's it's not going to be going to be ridiculously um, OTT um, to the point where you think, well, that you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> but it's. I think in editing, it makes a huge difference these days as well um, on, in how things are shown uh, on the screen. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that I am too snobby about when it comes to stage fighting these days because I've come to realise that it, you know, it is a different animal. They are trying to show a story. They're trying to tell a narrative. They're not just trying to just trying to make it realistic although that is an important aspect that should be included yeah yeah exactly it's that kind of that balance of at the end of this fight our characters need to be here um and it may not make sense historically for that to happen the way it's going to happen but we can still Mm. you know nod and give credence to you know the historical side of things but at the end of the day, yeah, we need to achieve this objective by the end of the fight. And this is, you know, the kind of the best or most efficient way of doing that. So, yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. It's totally this, like, balance that needs to, to happen, isn't there? Yeah, and, and the same thing with computer games. Um, I was asked to review a bunch of games for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's some guys uh, called Auroc, uh in Bristol, and they're, like, a, uh, some game developers. Mm. And um, they gave they they gave me a bunch I think about five different games to rate out of ten, and um, and um, I, I was watching a YouTube video of one guy who was playing I think it was Mountain Blade, mm. and um, he was saying I, I I just died like really really easily <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to my character's dead like go into a fight and you die it's like what that gets well, brutal you know. Yeah, so it's like you know, um, realism. It, realism's great until it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, if you, if it means that the game, if it takes away from your enjoyability, then uh, you know, like I say, there has to be a balance between do I, you know, 
if this game just shuts me down by killing me instantly or because I'm rubbish or whatever, because <laughs> I don't have the skill or I'm not able to build my skills up mm. uh, in a in a way that's satisfying, um, then, you know, but he, you know, he did love the game in the end. But he was it was just a question of getting used to the fact that it's realistic and you can you can get hurt and it's not like oh you've got three lives left kind of thing yeah um there's that other game wasn't there hellish hellish quart oh yeah Brilliant. that looked really interesting amazing amazing these two guys in their garage have made this game and they've just basically taken their mates in their uh reenactment gear and scanned their scanned them into the game oh great <laughs> and is the, the quality is just like the the fabric and everything and the movements are just fantastic oh, it's and gorgeous. it's it's brutal it's it's yeah. deadly and it kind of shows you like and they're all doing proper hema moves they're all doing proper uh saber rapier and uh, longsword stuff and when it you know uh, when we're practicing hema and we get hit you're like ah you got me but in there it's like oh his head's come off kind of thing yeah, when, if if really I'm sparring with someone and I'm nervous about like how big they are, I'm like, you have wrapped, you have tapped my wrist. Yes, no, that's fair. That's a point. And then in these games, they're like, oh yeah, no, I decimated him straight through the clavicle. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I think you're right with a lot of these things. It, it's really good for every everyone to learn from each other for lots of stuff. Mm. Uh, video games can learn a lot from stage fighting. Hema can learn a lot from LARP combat. LARP combat can lot. Yeah, and just as with any humorous like broadening your re- your learning and and your engagement can make it more fun and and makes mm-hmm. everything better so i think um it has been a bit of it's the the scene has got a lot of growing pains uh there's yeah. a lot of stuff for it to do it's not fully matured yet but i think it's on its way to being uh something to that everyone involved can be really proud of um yeah Sorry, I, got, I went on a, a soapbox. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. good. Uh, when, when, when I, I was going to say, when I started out, uh, I was thinking, like, when I was talking to Sue, it reminded me of, like, when I started in the, like, 2010s. Mm. It, even then, the, the different camps, I guess, of, like, sports fencing and HEMA mm. are very much entrenched in their beliefs. Like, there's it, it lots of dismissive... Uh, language about each other's hobbies and it kind of all boils down to you can't tell other people how to have fun you know yeah you're having fun the wrong way kind of thing <laughs> and like you say it's uh it it, it is a, t- a really good chance to learn from each other not just understand and accept from each other but to learn you know there is another way of, of doing this and these people have got experience in it and maybe we could apply it so like i know that a lot of the hmb folks look at hema people in a kind of oh they're very technical they really know their stuff kind of thing yeah um maybe we could learn something from them kind of kind of a way and what we would learn from the hmb folks is how to manage your how to manage your energy because those guys really like they are just like they're machines and you know we're gassed after like a 20 second bout and they (laughs) they're just you know wearing pounds and pounds of steel and fabric what's the i can't the remember what the initialism hmb stands for it's like historic battle historic, something like historical medieval battle or yeah. it's bohurt hmb all that kind of stuff but basically people who armor up and bash each other with with very heavy blunted weapons they don't thrust but the often the 
the objective is to dump your opponent on their backside to yeah. win. So it's a lot of the time, well, sometimes when you look at it, it looks like MMA in armour. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the people who do it are uh, MMA uh, practitioners as well. That's why it's just, it's just very good for endurance. I think, I, I think you're right that like, that a lot of these things can borrow off each other and learn and, and mm. are these different things. Uh, Tom asks, what situations outside of HEMA and tangential hobbies that these skills <laughs> can be practiced? So not not just like martial arts. Um, what what kind of things has Hema brought to you that you wouldn't have Me. normally engaged with? Yeah, event planning. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd be. <laughs> Never thought. I mean, I've, I've, I when I the number of uh, job interviews I've had, mm. successful ones, um, where I've caught, drawn upon my Hema experience, mm. uh, but with running a club, teaching people organizing international events you know feeding feeding 80 people for two days no no joke yeah. uh, very hungry people very thirsty people <laughs> they were all it's, brandishing uh, weapons it's a very tense yeah. environment <laughs> you know yeah our army marches on its stomach that's yeah. usually the one of the biggest problems as an organizer that i have is feeding them all mm. um um but yeah that i've i've drawn upon that more than other things in my cv so it's helped me get jobs <laughs> because it's it's you know it's, it's there's a lot of skills and sort of ancillary skills that you didn't expect to pick up i mean obviously i'm not going to be um showing someone how i can f- sword fight in an interview but all the things around the sort of community organizational stuff mm. um and like since i started doing the podcast this year i would have never ever wanted to put myself forward and do public speaking mm um speaking at length about something but it's given me the confidence that way like and obviously because i've been teaching um uh, hema for a while I'm, I'm okay talking to people when i have to explain something so it's it's helped me a lot confidence wise about teaching and demonstrating and, and talking to people that i haven't met before <laughs> great yeah you never know when you pick up a new hobby what kind of things it's going to bring along with it but I Mm. think you're right I think as soon as you get into something you know you start meeting other people that enjoy it and you immediately have something to talk about with them and that just builds your confidence because you're like oh I'm knowledgeable you know I'm I'm having fun I'm discussing I'm taking on new ideas and that's only going to help like build that confidence um and then Mm. as you say when you get into other it's only when you then go into something like a job interview that you go, oh, wow, okay, I've got this, you know, I've got this base, new baseline of confidence, which is just mm. wonderful. It's like, if you know, if you had to present something for 40 minutes without any preparation, what would it be? <laughs> ah, here we go. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> here we go, friends and family who think I'm fairly normal. I've joined an underground <laughs> fighting ring. We're all very polite. We don't talk about fight club. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to join, in which case I need to sell you a mask. And then we do, yeah, then we don't shut up. <laughs> well, uh, I think that wraps up for our question. Um, thank you so much for coming on our show and talking uh, at length about By the Swords. Uh, it's It's been a real pleasure talking to you and we're really excited to follow the podcast and the events. And so, yeah, when we can all come within a glancing blow of each other. Um, would you like to so you're on Patreon for the podcast which is patreon.com forward slash swordwomen nice short link very good link (laughs) I'm going to post that into the discord now 
then you are on Instagram as at Swordwomen. I think on Facebook it's the By the Sword event and By the Sword um, as a podcast. yeah By the Sword podcast. Uh, yeah, is there is there any other socials that you'd like to plug at this uh, time? But yeah, there's just a website. Have you have you mentioned that? Just By the Sword dot net. Um, of course, yeah. That's got everything in it. So if you go to the landing page, it's got all these things in it, mm. um, including the ancillary events, uh, Swords of Spring, Swords of Winter, that everyone is welcome to. Um, but yeah, that's that's about me done. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a lovely, lovely chat. Thank you. It's right. really nice to because uh, I've been listening to, to you. I've been listening to you for several <laughs> hours just with the podcast. I'm like, I know how to talk to Fran, and then I'm like, I actually haven't spoken to Fran yet. <laughs> Uh, but yeah thank you very much for making the efforts come on Uh, I know our listeners really enjoyed it uh, so thank you so much and uh, we'll have to catch up and uh, beat each other up at some point yeah I'm going to need your links to put it on my podcast so I can you up oh exactly oh no no I'm scared yeah (laughs) perfect well I'll send those along thank you very much thank you bye then Bye. bye thanks that was great um so, I've had a question in oh, yeah? from my family who are listening at home. Sam, what is HEMA? <laughs> um, unfortunately, we, we, have a, we have a group of people listening that we are aware know about HEMA, have engaged with HEMA in some way, um, but we, we have to acknowledge our listeners that have not done that. So, can you just give a, a brief intro to my mama and my papa? <laughs> I can't believe we've skipped over the fundamental part of what HEMA is. It's okay. You were very excited. (laughs) HEMA uh, is the initialization of historical European martial arts. It's sometimes just called uh, HMA, as in historical martial arts, or might just be called historical fencing. Uh, It is the translation of fighting with various weapons to actual kind of like much like karate like there's a there's a way of translating what is written into actionable terms and you can fence with it obviously it's not meant to be for actual defense although there are some schools of thought that are uh doing knife defense and that kind of thing but that's a bit uh, it's not different but it's it's kind of adjacent to what the main thing is basically digging into historical sources and delighting in what they have to show us, especially like long swords, something that we've, you know, no one has really touched. Saber, kind of, you used right at the end of last century, right at the start of last century. Sorry, um, and it's more about kind of translating those sources, seeing how they work. It's like it's basically finding those kind of historical sources where people have been writing down how they do things, and then trying to kind of interpret that and like put it into motion in the mm. present day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's, as you say... Oh, okay, I've got an analogy. Go okay, on. so um, the Brook Street Band um, play music by Handel um, and they go by sources from the time. They've obviously, they've got the sheet music, um, but the thing is nobody knows how it would have sounded. So when you look at sheet music, you don't necessarily know exactly how it would have been played just by that. So anything that you hear from that time 
is people's best approximation of how those things would have sounded and how those instruments would have been like the sound would have been blended in um and they use um historically accurate as much as they can instruments to recreate that sound so essentially they're using all of these sources to create music that existed um then as as closely as they can now um, so that they're they're trying to recreate that sound, and with Hema, you're almost trying to recreate those movements in the same sort of way. Yeah, it's so it's uh, because unlike uh, I say Eastern martial arts that encompasses so much, unlike karate and taekwondo, where these traditions have been passed down a in writing, b from generation to generation, we've not needed to use swords for a very long time. Mm. So there's been a missing link, uh, and there are people who have been trying to learn from contemporary sources like uh, military sabers possibly the most recent one where people are like okay yeah this is this is relevant to this uh you know we, we've been keeping it alive by one or two people just keep practicing since like the late 1800s but german longsword you know there's been generational gap where people just haven't needed to duel each other out with which is great which is great and and and, and ironically like a lot of people in hema's like I do not endorse carrying weapons. It's a very bad idea. Um, so this is just meant to be fun. It's meant to be a weird, yeah. fun sport. Yeah, and just sort of celebrating a part of history mm. and interpreting it. Because, I mean, nothing has brought, you know, the music of Handel alive for me more than hearing it represented in the most historically accurate way with context about his life. Mm. You know, suddenly I connected to that music in a way I didn't before. And all of these things are just avenues to connect with history in really fun, engaging ways. Um, and and that can only be a good thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so just a bit of context there for the people context. that aren't aren't part of the uh, Sam's Little Hema group. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe I did that. It'll be... Uh, and we are going to discuss LARP later, which we have discussed before, but I will... Right. Yeah, yeah, just do a little, little refresher, a little refresher. Um, um, First of all, can I just say, yeah, thanks to Fran for coming on. That was really interesting, and yeah. it's made me want to try it, and when you start your group here, um, I will be attending. Um, yeah, because I've said to you privately before that when, even when we're practicing just like in our garden, mm. I feel a bit out of place, I think, just because I haven't seen, obviously I see people, I see women and non-binary people fighting at LARP and stuff, but it, it feels different and it feels, I feel a bit silly and I don't think I should, I don't want to feel that way about no. it. Um, and I know that, you know, it just, you know, the more you see people like you doing something, the more e- easy it is to do it. So, um, yeah, it's great. And it's really good to hear about. Yeah, I think we'll have to start a club. I was always trying to like, oh, I can't do it because my bat surveys or something like, I think I'll just start a club and like, Tuesday evenings or something and be like, yeah. yep, go for it. I see that Chris has asked for uh, Dueling for Honor to come back. Um, it didn't go well during uh, <laughs> the time that it was about, but sure. I mean, slap someone with a white glove and draw your sword. Yeah, go back to that. That's fine. Um, I'm very small. I don't I, want that to come back. Thank you. What I think should come back is the fashion of that era men wearing platform shoes, tights, and big puffy trousers, they look great. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, there's a lot... Because Longsword, even though it's... Uh, 
the, the, the problem with the sword definitions is that they're just so wild. Like mm. broadsword has been about five different swords depending on your angle. Longsword has been a type of sword, but it just keeps getting longer as time goes by and we can yeah. get better metal. Um, so, good point. Uh, Daisy said, just wear the puffy trousers anyway. I think I might. It's it's quarantine. I can do what I want. You can do whatever you want. Whenever anyone comes back, we're all going to be coming back a little bit weirder. Uh, but the cod pieces, Sam. Um, yeah, so thank you very much to Fran. Uh, go listen to the By the Sword podcast. Yeah, all of the links will be in the show notes to kind of all of the different shops that were mentioned, um, the the podcast itself, and of course all of the social media kind of um, uh, attached to um, By the Sword and the website as well. So all of that will be in the show notes, which I'll link at the end. Excellent. Um, Yeah, so now we have a little quiz, and then coming up later we've got Rachel talking about Empire LARP fighting, an organization. Um, so, and then that'll be a show. Uh, so, Becky. Oh my God. It's another quiz. It's I'm another gonna, quiz. I'm going to do really badly at. You're not going to do very badly at. I am. So, let's just fire up the quiz music. Okay, I need you to open up Wikipedia. Oh no, what are you going to do? So, seeing as we've talked to Fran and we've talked about By the Sword and lots of femme-facing warriors, uh, I thought we could do a, what's called a wiki jump quiz. Okay. Where we will try and get to, between each of these famous warriors. Oh, okay. In as few jumps as possible. Okay. Open up. The Wikipedia article for Boudicca. I thought that might be where this is going. So we're starting with Boudicca, uh, famously uh, wife of Prastatagus uh, and became leader of the Iceni tribe and helped batter the... A local gal. Local gal who beat up the Romans. So, very big fan. Okay. So, we've got her. So, she's living in AD 60 or 61... Uh, sorry, uh, that's there. Yeah. She died in AD sixty or sixty one, so she's living before that. She's kind of under recorded, but of course, there's no written language in Britannia at this time. Uh, but what I really love is every time the Romans have come before, the Iceni have beaten the snot out of them. Yeah, the Romans have come with like their big ships, and that by the way, they're scared of the sea because they thought this was the edge of the world and that Poseidon. Uh, would beat them up <laughs> for crossing the sea. It's going to get them. So when they come, these warriors are running on war chariots, painted in woad. Uh, they've got no battle tactics. Some of them are mostly naked, and they just beat the snot out of the Romans. It's perfect. Twice. Um, and then during the Roman occupation, the the tribe that Boudicca was part of was actually part of uh, the Roman enclave, uh, but... They changed, They uh, started murdering a lot of the local uh, Anglian tribes and the Iceni rose up and Boudicca was the head part of that. Uh, and I was really I was really disappointed that we actually don't know how she died. Wasn't it poison? The, the Romans say she was poisoned, but it's completely... Didn't she choose to poison herself and her daughters? 
it's completely incongruous with a lot of the historical oh, really? information we have on her. It's like she's a famous warrior who beat people up and like r- led hundreds of thousands of people. Oh, thank you, Amy. It's Neptune. If it's the Romans, sorry, I've been listening to much Greek stuff. Um, yeah, it's completely incongruous with everything we know, and that Roman account really kind of downplays anything that the Britons are doing at this time. So it is commonly believed that Boudicca did not poison herself. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. So, I would like you to get to in as few links as possible 17th century France using any oh of the information on Boudicca. Okay, okay, okay. Um, well, surely I think if I went through something to do with the Romans, then at least I'm in the right you know, I'm in that right landmass. Sure, sure. Um, so it's really hard trying to do this and talking to the mic because my pop shield slightly blocks my screen. <laughs> so I'm having to close one eye to do it. Yep. Um, so um, uh, please join in at home if you would like. So the, the okay, idea so is... I've gone to Roman roads. Okay, you've gone to Roman roads. Excellent choice. Um... But so the idea for everyone at home is you're meant to get to the next article in as few links as possible. Okay, I've gone Roman Empire. Okay, very good. Europe. Yeah. Uh, What am I trying to get to? Uh, 17th century France. Okay. (laughs) Uh. Uh, Because the person I want you to get to... uh, I'll give you some more clues so you can try and get your way in. Uh, op- she's an opera singer. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm on France. Okay. Um, and I'm in uh, the French Revolution currently. Okay. I cannot remember when that is. <laughs> um, began in May 1789. Okay, we will go with that's close enough. So that is four jumps, I think. Yeah. Okay. Go on then. So now we have Julie D'Albany. Uh, she is a really cool person. Okay, uh, tell me more. She's a 17th century opera singer. Little known is known for certain about her life. Her tumultuous career and flamboyant lifestyle were the subject of gossip, rumour and colourful stories in her own time and inspired much, uh, many numerous, many numerous, many fictional and semi-fictional portrayals. Um, okay. She was basically a really cool uh, woman who used to fence men for their women. She killed a lot of men That's through sword fighting. Um, and basically, yeah, she was just super cool, fought a load of people and dressed in men's clothes. Uh, not because she wanted to be a man, but just because she was like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Uh, so it was just, I just really found her very interesting and in showing how like fencing has been always in the domain of women ever since the seven, like it's so prominent now that she was able to get a fencing instructor who taught her so it's obviously not like no you're banned yeah yeah nobody was like oh no stop that like she found an instructor and that's fine yeah uh, I won't go into all her stuff but feel free to like hop in to that Wikipedia article because it is Remind wild me of her name uh, Julie de Aubigny I will copy that into the brilliant Okay. 
the open opening. Oh, okay. Uh, I did have her as an NPC in a previous D and D campaign, but we never met her. Just never got round. Oh, really? But she's just super rad. Um, okay. I would like you to get to modern day Italy or sports fencing in as few jumps. Okay. Um, from the French Revolution. From the French Revolution. Okay, to what? Uh, modern, either modern day Italy or sports fencing. It okay. might just be called fencing. Oh boy. Um... Let's go there. So this is a modern sports fencer. So I've just gone to French First Republic. Yeah. We're on five now. Oh, you're going... Okay, you're not starting on one again. Cumulative. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, we have got... The fencer who I'm talking about is Beatrice Vio or she's known as Bebe Vio. If you have the uh, story time for Rebel Girl, I can't remember what the book's called exactly. Uh, the, I think it's... Bedtime Stories, bedtime stories for, for Rebel, Rebel Girls. Girls. Uh, she is prominent in that book. Uh, Bebe is a eight-time gold medalist uh, for wheelchair fencing. Uh, she had severe meningitis, uh, where she had to... Uh, amputate both of her legs from the knee and both of her arms from the forearms uh, I'm on France you're on France Italy what she's Italian oh shit I'm to get to Italy <laughs> it's alright um, she is uh, she fences foil uh, which is one of the uh, sports fencing swords Italy Italy I buy the Swiss guard because that's another three links okay it's one eight uh, Bebe Vio is uh, just fantastic. She has uh, an Instagram and it's very wholesome and wonderful. Uh, and she is just really, really rapid. Like watching some of her uh, tournaments are just astounding. Uh, so I recommend go watch uh, when the Paralympics, uh, Paralympics are back running again. Just if she's running, watch. She's a joy to see fence. What's the name again? Uh, Beatrice Via, so I will put that in there. Okay. Oh, I'm uh, excited to see an action. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, she's a lot younger than us. <laughs> yeah. Is what I've just found out. <laughs> I, I think seeing someone who is so dedicated to the sport become so good uh, is just... So wonderful. It's just always very inspiring, isn't it? Uh, in her childhood, she pursued three passions, which she dubs the three S's. School, uh, fencing, which in Italian is schema, and uh, scouting. Scoutismo. Great. Um, so this one you can do in one... Uh, in fact, it's the same jump, but I wanted to bring her up uh, just because she's very interesting. Um, uh, her name is Ipajad Mohammed. Uh, she's the first woman to wear hijab uh, whilst uh, engaging at the Olympics. Um, 
She is a American fencer, uh, and she wore her hijab while she was fencing at the Olympics. Um, oh, okay. She fences saber, a much more respectable sword. Um, <laughs> uh, but again, like seeing her, her bouts are just incredible. Um, yeah, that's great. God, that's like three absolutely incredible women. Uh, I have a much longer list, but I think for now, uh, because I think the concept that I've done doesn't run as smoothly as I anticipated. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it for that. But if you could, if you just Google um, uh, fencing women and or get the book uh, Bedtime Stories for Rebel Girls, there are so many inspirational people uh, in those stories that I think when. Did we get it for our nieces? And I think yeah, I I did borrow it for a little bit and have a bit of a read. It's just incredible. It's really great. It's really great. Um, and there's there's two of them now as well. Um, but it's just like a really good kind of mix of women. And yes, you know it is, you know, a, apparently a kids book. But I think kids books are a great place to start research for like a new thing that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Because they give sort of very, you know, it can sometimes be quite sort of surface level information. So you can see like, yes, I am interested in this subject. So I will delve further by getting, a, you know, thicker, you know, bigger, well-researched um, non-fiction book. It's a great kind of first introduction. So if you are like, I want to read more about women throughout history, um, then, you know... Um, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls is a great place to start. And then whoever you're most interested in, you can then kind of look into further, I think. Yeah. Uh, They also have a podcast up because, of course, they do. So they often do either summations of stories that are in their books or they will bring people in to interview. Uh, It's a really good uh, podcast. It's, It's designed, like the book, to be accessible for children. So it's done in such a good way that uh they can get on board and they can start engaging with it and it's designed to do to listen to on your car journey to school so it's only very short uh but they pack a lot of stuff and it's a very narrative uh interesting podcast um we are just gonna take a quick drink uh so i will play a little bit of the most recent uh hedge episode which i haven't put up yet which i've realized uh but that will be up today uh, live so that'll be episode four of hedge and so yeah uh, thank you very much and we'll join you in just a moment last time on hedge you were following the adventures of joan neat the guy who seemed to have cursed shoes mm-hmm. uh, you didn't know it was shoes at the time but there was clouds of frogs following him around and he was one of your um, cases mm-hmm. for your magical, ma- like magic consultation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you went to his house. You asked him what was up. And he bought a whole load of clothes, and you kind of followed him around on this day of adventure that he had. And you found out that there was a cobbler who was being mean to him, and. The cobbler was the one who sold him some nasty shoes, um, which were cursed. 
So when you talked to Joe and Neat, you found out that he bought lots of things in town, a cape, a hat, and some new shoes. Mm -hmm. And you followed him on a tour around the city of where he bought them and what had happened to them. Uh, there was a fur bog who gave him the cape. You were, on your, you were talking to the cobbler who made the shoes uh, and found out that the cobbler had shortchanged him on the back hoof uh, <laughs> for uh, some cursed shoes. And okay. then, yeah, you caught him out. Uh, he was about to flee the scene whilst you were talking to uh, one of the priestesses of the Lunar House, oh, yeah. Janet Cloudfang. Yeah, I'm probably not going to help them. It <laughs> seems suspect as book. Um, but it is the night that of I meant to go and help. New Year's Eve. So there's lots of people getting ready, everybody's dressed up, and they're kind of coursing around town. So we left it where you talked to Joe Neat. He'd given you the shoes to decurse, and he was going to, sorry, Cron uh, the cobbler, and he was mm -hmm. going to give Joe Neat some new shoes, and you'd been given these cursed shoes to decurse at some point. Your magics aren't quite powerful enough, uh, but you can do that at some point. Uh, but it is still middle of the day, and you have the festival later. Yes, yeah, and this... Um Janet Cloudfang mm -hmm. has requested, made two requests of me. Mm -hmm. um, I've put repute. Re uh, no, that's not what that is. Is it like prepare? Represent. She, there were two things she'd asked you to do. Yeah, she, something the, for prep for the night. Yeah, so the, the festival... What have I written there? The Lunar Festival is tonight. Uh, help with preparations. And then she also wanted help gaining, uh, becoming part of the City of Morsong Town Council. She wanted the seat, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And she's from the Church of... The Lunar House. Is the dominant religion in the area. Okay. Um, I think I want to go and see our man in charge. The Earl? Where is he? Earl Drewald. Yeah. Yeah. So he obviously has the castle. Yeah, I think I want to go see the Earl and I want to essentially talk to him about who's come to about Janet okay. with him. I realise I've got no dice with me. Wow. A big, giant wow from over that side of the table. I know. Come along with me, friends, as I go out and find Becky some dice. I can't believe I didn't have any some dice. Rooms I, got, here? I got two into the, the microphones. Can I have the dice tray too? Do you want the big dice tray or the little one? Um, the big one. I love how you started handing me the big one before it was even, like, before I'd even I've, said. I've not even got space to roll lots of dice here. I'm just going to have to do it on the... Your setup is magnificent, though. It is a lot. Everyone should know. It is a lot. How good it is. When we play with lots of people, I'm going to have to be on a separate table. We're going to have to have at other tables. <laughs> I saw, and someone said this is the Gygax method of... The player's around one table, and Gary Gygax is, like, sat away on a separate table away from the others. It's not pushed up against the other table. It's just a completely separate table. Yeah. Mmm, that's a weird vibe. It's a weird vibe. It's a weird vibe. I do get a weird vibe from Gygax anyway, so... Well, that's us cancelled. Oh, no! Um...
Sorry to cut it short just there. I just thought it's a good point to cut it or else we're going to get into the story and you just won't listen to it uh, when it catches up on the feed. So you're going to have to check <laughs> out Hedge uh, episode four uh, on Project Headphones, uh, projecthedphones.com forward slash Hedge and it should be in all your favorite podcatchers. Uh, so next we have... Uh, Sorry, I can't type and speak at the same time. Uh, we've invented, uh, invited friend of the show, uh, Rachel Westra. Uh, hi, Rachel. Hey, how's it going? It's not too bad. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I will have to give you guys a heads up that my neighbors seem to be doing a bit of construction. So if you hear anything in the background, uh, that's that's what it is. There's a couple of very exuberant young boys next door um, building things. Amazing. Good for them. I mean, it's good to see <laughs> some people are out doing things. Uh, yeah, no, they're, pre- they're pretty fantastic. Uh, it's all right. We, we usually have our dog. If anyone walks past the, the front window and he doesn't like the look of, he will let us know. Uh, he'll Immediately. Bark, he'll bark for about five to ten minutes. So yeah, if, if, things, if things get a bit loud, I'll probably just mute my <laughs> mic while I'm not talking. Oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, so thank you very much for uh, coming on the show, Rachel. Um, you've probably not met my co-host. This is Becky, who's my partner. Hello. <laughs> uh, Hi. She comes to Empire too, uh, but we didn't. Uh, she didn't come along to that Cambridge meet where it was good for us to have a catch-up, non-in character, uh, which yeah, is a very rare thing. Yeah, it's very it's very hard to meet up with people at Empire out of character. So you can go, "Hey, I'm a human being. Uh, how's it going?" Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and I do find that that practice um, is is a good form for that. Yeah, it was really lovely to see lots of people from different nations uh, at your the Cambridge fight training that you organised uh, just come together yeah. and say like, "Hey, how's it going?" Um, I, yeah, I absolutely love it because you have people with with different backgrounds, um, different disciplines of fighting, um, and then at Empire also from different nations, and everyone can just meet up at one spot and come together for something that they love or something that they want to learn, which is fighting. Mm. Uh, Yeah, we've found that it's particularly good fun, especially to engage in lots of war games that are just kind of, as you say, more about uh, large-scale tactics than are you able to hit this person? It's about movement within the group. It's going for an objective. And you uh, organized a lot of interesting games that were all about that. Um, and I, I found them particularly engaging more than everyone just going, okay, we're going to break off and just do loads of duels. You're like, okay, we're doing objectives. We're fighting for a particular way. And uh, it was really good fun. Thank you. I mean, is that something you want me to, to talk about or go over is, you know, what we try to accomplish with that since it does deal with LARP fighting? Yeah, yeah, love to. Uh, well, so what? All right. So uh, why don't we engage with what is your fighting history? Sure. So my fighting history, I come from a full contact uh, fighting background um, called the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronisms. And some people will say it's um, historical uh, reenactments, which... We're not reenacting particular battles, but rather our take on a particular persona. Mm. So my persona happens to be 14th century. Um, so all of my armor is 14th century. All of my kit is 14th century. Or rather, my interpretation of it to the best of my abilities. And I started doing that when I was 16. I started doing that type of fighting. And that fighting um, 
has actually taken me all around Europe and all around the United States, which is where I come from. So I've been doing that for about 19 years. And when I came over to England in 2014, I knew that I had to make more friends. So besides going to local fighter practice, I was told about a local HEMA group in Cambridge. And they're the ones that told me after my first uh, meeting at in Cambridge about Empire. And so I started going to Empire in 2014. Oh, great. What well, kind of drew you to the the type of fighting that you do in the first place? Like what what kind of started that journey for you? So it's funny you ask that. Um, that journey for me started when I was eight years old. I was in the third grade and our teacher was having us read different genres of books. And the genre she had picked at that time was fantasy. I never really read fantasy books up till that point. So she had me read The Horse and His Boy by C.S. Lewis, which is not one of the mainstream books in the mm. Chronicles, of New York, but it does have a very strong female character. And after reading that book, I decided with my little eight-year-old heart, I was going to be a fighter someday. And no one could tell me different. I <laughs> on this. When I got to middle school, when I was about 12 years old, I was looking for different fantasy books to read because I was a voracious reader and I loved fantasy. And the librarian gave me um, the Linus Quartet. So Alana, Alana the Linus by Tamora Pierce, which in the book, Alana is about 10 years old when she embarks on this journey to become the first female knight in a hundred or a thousand years. Mm. And she told me, you know, as a librarian, she needs to love all books, but this was one of her favorites. And that was so perfect for me because I started to lose hope that, you know, I, I needed to grow up. I was going to middle school. This, this was just a dream, but yeah. in the book that, that girl made that dream a reality. So I was even more determined that I was going to be a fighter. I was going to get a job when I got older. I was going to have armor. This was going to be a thing. I didn't know how it was going to be. (laughs) And I happened to find someone who made armor. And uh, I went and talked to them and they said, well, do you know about the SCA? And I said, no, I don't. And they told me that I could, I could learn how to fight. So I show up to this practice, not even knowing really what SCA is. And I remember my mom drove up to the park. She's like, do you want me to come with you? I'm like, no, I have to do this myself. <laughs> like, you know, 16 <laughs> years old, I'm like, nope, this moment. And I walk up to them and I say, are you the SCA? And they said, yes, they're like, cool, I want to fight. And they're like, have you ever done any fighting before? I was like, no. But you I'm going to. No, but this is where I'm supposed to be. This is supposed to, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I have loved it ever since. I have no doubt in my mind that th- this is what I've been meant to do is fighting of some sort, whether it's it's HEMA or Bohurt or reenactment, uh, SCA, Empire. I just, I love all of it. And I was listening to some of the segment earlier, and I agreed that you, you shouldn't, well, it's, it's great to have maybe something that you like in particular. You should not limit yourself. I hate that, mm. you know, I was one of those people when I went to my first um, LARP event, I was like, I'm a reenactor. They, they don't. <laughs> Yeah, right. whatever. <laughs> I, was, I was incredibly wrong. I was incredibly wrong because there is something to be learned from every single discipline of fighting and every single fight that you go into. Mm. And I learned a lot. I loved it. I was I was just hooked. After that first event at Empire, I was hooked. It Empire has that 
aura, doesn't it? Like I've been to a few LARP events where I'm like, I'm very aware I'm a dude holding a latex sword in a backwood, but the aura of Empire and especially seeing the the armies march out and you're like, no, cool, I'm a soldier. I'm definitely a real soldier who's here to fight. Yeah. And the and the large scale tactics that are happening and unfurling feels very very real. And it does. Yeah. It, it it really does. I I had the good fortune of before I had gone to Empire in SCA, I'd been in those large scale battles of five thousand people on the battlefield at one of our largest events. And and you're right, I had gone from this rattan weapon where I'm like, this is, you know, a stick of wood that I'm holding, where I find myself believing this this is actually a, a weapon and and how can I use this weapon to defend myself, defend my nation or kingdom, defend my king and queen. Um, how am I going to defeat my adversaries with this weapon? And it's the same for Empire. I love that, even though it's it's foam latex, it looks very realistic. A lot of these weapons, they look fantastic. Um, and, and LARP over here in England is so much different than what I've seen of, of LARP at, in America. I would have never done LARP in America because I've, I've seen some of the stuff, which is a PVC pipe with a, a pool noodle mm. on it. Oh, no. um, <laughs> not something that I would particularly, you know, maybe want to go to, but at the same time, there is something that can be learned there. A lot of the LARP fighters I find are incredibly quick. Um, their speed is so fast compared to some of the, the full contact people. Um, so there, there is something to always, always be learned. When I, when I go to empire, a lot of that stuff that I try to work on, I try to work on my footwork. I try to work on tactics. I try to work on my targeting, on my technique, um, and also my speed. I have to be fast. I come from a bit of a slower-moving game originally. To use something that's quick with a different targeting system even. You know, in Empire, we can be hit in our hands and below the knee, where in SCA, you cannot. Those are not targets. So I had to adapt very quickly. Um, to the style of fighting that's conducive to empire. I know I was particularly, uh, I felt for that because I've come from saber fencing. So, you know, you tap someone on the wrist and you just go, oh, yep, very good point. Okay, we'll reset. But you can't do that on the on the LARP field. It's like, okay, you've been hit. Now try and run away from that hit or or capitalize on the the movement that you've gained. It, it, as you Absolutely. say, it becomes more of an organic movement towards and i've seen numerous articles about uh hema people going go to larp if you want to understand larger battle tactics and the sca stuff and as you say what uh what i know a lot of people in the uk refer to lovingly as buffer uh buffer larp in america it's still got a i the grassroots of that larp is where people just want to do a thing and they organize it and they do it it may it may not look the swords may not look like swords, but at least people are doing it on their own terms and they're able to engage with something and make a community that loves each other and really piles in. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I would, and I would even add to that, 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 that does not make those people any less of a fighter than I am or any less skilled in their particular discipline. So I'm sure that I could learn a great number of things from buffer fighters and they're probably very fantastic fighters. So, I mean, it's just this this thing that you were talking about earlier where there is something to be learned in all these different disciplines of fighting. So, leaning into Empire, why do you like the marches so much? <laughs> so, 
The Marches is a, it's a fantastic nation. I, I cannot really adequately put into words how fantastic it is for, for me, the armor that I'd already had fit perfectly with the Marches. Um, with that War of the Roses, uh, 14th century, like late 14th century look, just the look and feel were fantastic. But I'm sure, like all nations, it's the sense of fellowship and camaraderie where I feel like I'm part of a family. And going out onto the battlefield, I feel like I'm part of something much bigger than myself, just being part of the bill block and seeing everyone's armor and how everyone just comes together to make the dream happen so for those at home who aren't familiar with empire marches is one of the nations that make up the uh the human imperial enclave as a collection of nations and the marches as you say are based on war of the roses era 14th century a kind of britain and france it's obviously not an exact copy of those and the brief is to make sure it stays away from but it is loving uh, interpretation of those and and the marches has such a a well-defined aesthetic that you can just see them from miles away and that mm. build block when you're on the other side of it is pretty scary <laughs> yeah it's 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 been like we're very much like salt of the earth uh farming folk who have uh turned our plowshares into sores and have arisen for the defense of of the empire you've uh i because i I've known you as uh, General Flowers. Uh, the yeah. first time I saw you, you were at the midwinter uh, fest, uh, feast at Haftans and you just stormed in and threw your armor off because your character was mid-campaign. Uh, during- Absolutely. Yeah, so you- and everyone was like, oh my God, that's such good RP. I was, I was arguing with, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember what his character name is, uh, Mario, who's, uh, he was telling me how the uh, the Brass Coast shouldn't have a fleet anymore, and I was arguing yeah. with him why we should. And then you came in, threw your armor down, and you were like, "Right, that's it." And I was like, "Wow, yeah. so engaging." So, yeah, so so I'm I'm horrible at social events. I I make you know no illusions about this. I'm horrible. I can I can talk about fighting and armor. And about fighting in armor and, and things along those lines. So I was absolutely bricking it going to Ravnar's. And I wanted to make an impact. So I had, I had to think, how would Flowers have viewed this event? And she would have viewed it as, this is very unnecessary. Um, there are people dying in the campaign in the battlefield. And you're here like, oh, my life is so hard. I have to go to this, you know, I'm going to to this meal oh woe is me the empire is so much you know things i have to do i better go you know sip on this wine um <laughs> so she, no 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 i'm here to remind all of you of your obligations and that while you're here sitting in this warm cushy seat you know supping at this dinner table you have soldiers dying right now mm. because you can't bother to be there to do your job um, and that, that was kind of um, the take. So my, my adjutant and I, we showed up and we'd covered our faces in mud and we were in our armor carrying our packs. And we're like, right, we're here. We're here. Where's the bar? Who do we talk to? <laughs> That's it was just It was just so much fun to cause this ruckus because as marchers, people think we're supposed to be very loud and proud people. Mm. Um, and, and we are. But we can, we can also be very refined. Um, <laughs> I particularly enjoyed the fact that 
I, I, I like you, struggle with social events because I know I've turned up as Sam, the guy who has a car and needs to go home tonight. Uh, and then I've got to dress up as my character. And then suddenly at time in, I have to pretend that this hotel that we've drawn up to is actually so-and-so. So I think you're, the way that you levered the narrative of your character into getting you into the social event was such a good way. And it really added to, I mean, everyone who's at that feast mentioned you storming in in the armour and it was a very kind of immersive experience. Yeah, it really helps to build the world for everyone around you as well. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I could I could provide entertainment and uh, <laughs> <laughs> So as we were, as you said you'd shared your military history, you've been the field marshal, you've been the captain of the marshes, you've been a runner, a skirmish captain, a block captain and a line sergeant. Was that all in one weekend or did you? <laughs> no, no, um, not all in one weekend. It, it has been uh, over my career as uh, being a, a fighting person on the battlefield. So when I was the field marshal, I was, I was General Flowers and we were fighting um, to save the singing caves. So I'm, I'm not sure if you were in that battle, but we had uh, Dawn, the Brass Coast mm. and Bruce on one battlefield trying to stop a ritual while the marches, the league and the Imperial orcs, we were in the forest. So it was a split of split field battle and we were in the forest trying to protect uh, the singing caves. So that was, that's when I was field marshal and uh, we were, we won, we won that battle. Mm. It was fantastic. Um, When I was captain of the marches, that was uh, before uh, Chris Terry, who plays Will Talbot, um, he became the more consistent Captain Marches, but I had to go at it once. We we did okay. <laughs> it was very confusing um, also because we were in the woods um, and I had to uh, herd the cats as it were. So try to keep everyone like wrangled and keep sight of everybody. Um, being a runner, so I wanted to volunteer to help run uh, comms between the field marshal and the captain of the marches and act as a scout. So I've, I've done that uh, with block captains. So when I... Um, when I became uh, Rosie, mm. we decided we were going to try a tactic where we would divide the bill block up into two different blocks. And I was the first block captain of uh, what is now known as White Company. So I had uh, my household, um, uh, House Bowston, so the Badger Boys, and Talbots, which most of us come from a reenactment background. So I drew um, inspiration from the White Company. Um, which is also, you know, a historical company. And then just going from that to being a line sergeant. So um, going to the front lines and echoing down all, a lot of those orders. So the thing with like, with being captain of, of the marches, a lot of people want to become captain. They want to lead the marches. And what some people don't realize is that this is pretty much being a mini field marshal. Mm. So a whole set of skills than being the the block captain for example or being a line sergeant if you really want to lead by example that's what your line sergeants are for so the way it should work in an ideal setting is the field marshal gives their orders they pass it down to the captain of the marches captain of the marches might have to interpret those orders because the field marshal might say marches hold the right flank and the field captain might have to decide the best way to make that happen uh, the captain of the marches will then communicate that to their skirmish captain, to their block captains or, you know, bill sergeants. And the bill sergeants will give that that order. Sometimes they're with the actual bill block. Sometimes they're at the back. Because if you get stuck in, 
you lose sight of the entire uh, battlefield landscape. You cannot do that. Where a lot of people who want to lead by example, they want to be this like shining beacon, the first in, the last out, the person that's helping hold the line. That's where your line sergeant comes in. So they're the ones enforcing those orders that come down and they are the embodiment of those orders. Um, trying to get that line stabilized, trying to make that push. Um, so just there's there's so many different jobs for for people if, if they want to get stuck in. I think you're right. People aim for hats first and not think about what what can I do that makes a practical difference in the actual fighting. I know when mm-hmm. I was Thaddeo in the Kraken Fire Armada, we tried to... Uh, we tried to hybridize a, a, a bad Roman tactic of just making people rotate in and out. And we had captains at either end of the, of the line to kind of make sure everyone stayed in a solid, uh, if, if bro, if somewhat frag, fragmented line, but doing, doing that was more than difficult enough for me uh, because for some reason I thought it would be nice and smart to have one blind eye. So I had a scholastic <laughs> lens on one eye and uh, I remember Frail came up to me and was like, which end of the line would you like to be on? And I said, the end of the line so I can see the rest of the line. And it was, uh, when we trialed that out, was at the Battle at the Black Plateau. Uh, yes. And so yeah. that didn't go well. Uh, so we lost. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a good death from that one. Everyone was like, I'm so upset. And I was like, actually, that was pretty much what my characters, if you, if you had to write down, how is this character going to die? It was, this is how it's going to happen. Um, I... I remember that actually. I rem- I remember you as Thaddeo. I remember all of that. It was yeah. it was a great battle. I mean, I think I was kind of glad to be dead because I was knackered. Uh, <laughs> it was time to go. Um, who fi- who finished me off? Um, it was Michael. Um, I think he's he's either a Talbot or a Bolson. I can't remember. Um, but he did, he just attacked me, and then he was like, "I'm sorry, Sam." I was like, "Ah, it's all right. You did good." It was time. It was it was time. Uh, yeah yeah i mean as, as far as character deaths go uh, i had a pretty epic one i always knew i was gonna go down on the battlefield and i'm glad that i did i saw you get <laughs> captured because unfortunately i was monstering at the time and we were just creeping back <laughs> and you had been like corralled into this other like rp bit and i was like i can't i actually can't watch so i snuck back to yeah. undo my mask i was like no i can't say anything but wow so yeah i just saw you be very upset uh, whilst some orcs were standing around you, I was like, I can't watch. Should be fine. Well, I, be fine, be fine. I yeah, I, 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 I wasn't so much upset. It was, I was very indignant um, because how things had gone. Like, I, I knew I probably was not going to get out of there, but if I could get some people out, then that's what I was going to try to do. And, and ultimately, they let my adjutant go in my place. So um, what the what the general of, um, of the Ojin had done was they allowed me to gather up uh, people from my household that I had seen um, like dying on the battlefield. And he made them do honor duels. And when it had come time between myself or my adjutant, uh, Hook, I interrupted him and I was just like, well, it's going to be me. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you're, you're asking which one of us is going to fight next. Well, it's, it's going to be me. And they're like, you would, you would die or for him, and I pointed just to the entire battlefield, like, I would die for any of them. Oh, nice. (laughs) Oh, chills. Yeah, (laughs) it was, it was pretty great. I I mean, 
I have no regrets. I my character lived a very good life. <laughs> I I on, I know a lot of people are scared of losing their character, but I honestly think you've got to you've got to go out, do one death where you're like, this is it, guns blazing. I'm not going out, kid. Let's get you out. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so so therapeutic. <laughs> Yeah, but but I mean, and they have they have reason to because look at the time they've dedicated, the money and resources mm. that have made creating that character. Um, afraid of losing those ties with your friends mm. that you've developed. So there's there's reasons I I can I can relate. Uh, I mean, I still feel it, and it's been almost four years. Yeah, yeah. flowers died at seventeen, so. <laughs> I was interested to, because you're obviously involved a lot at the organizational military kind of, uh, the military council meetings, and obviously when you were field field marshal, you've obviously got to deal with a lot of LARP players. And LARP is, I think Empire has better ratios, but it's still a very male space. And I was interested to, to ask you, does Empire have a loud shouty man problem? And have you seen a path through? You said you had a very interesting answer, so I'm interested to hear what you say. Yeah, so I I first want to let people know that uh, please keep in mind that my experiences are exactly that they're they're my own, and just because I may not have experienced this does not mean that it does not exist. Yeah. Um, so my initial thing that I would say is I don't think there is a loud shouting man problem, only because I've never been treated that way. I'm aware that other people have experienced that or they have run into that. Um, but for me in, in general, um, I've never had people shout me down or try to override what I was saying. Um, people would question me, but only because they were not familiar with my background or who I was or what I was capable of doing. And, and rightfully so they should question me until I can prove them otherwise. Um, but it was never because I was a woman. Um, and, and even now, I don't encounter I don't encounter that. And a lot of the people they are big and they're very passionate about what they're doing, especially if it concerns their particular nation. Everyone has, you know, their views that they want to get across. But in the military council, the, the way that they've set up the form is that you have a moderator or you know a mediator or a voice who is there to make people mindful of not shouting other people over. Mm. So I feel that it does exist. Um, And just because I have not encountered it doesn't mean that it it doesn't exist or it's not a problem or the potential of a problem. But uh, do I, do I think there's a particular problem? Not necessarily, but that was also because when I went into the military council, I, I wasn't a female general. I was a general who happened to be female. When I go onto the battlefield. I'm, I'm not a female fighter. I'm a fighter who happens to be female. Um, if people want to fight me differently, usually it's because I'm a very small person. I'm, I'm five foot two. Um, but I've, even on the battlefield, I've never been treated differently because I'm a woman. So I, I, I'm not the best person to ask those particular questions to because it would seem that I've had a, a very different experience than, than most, most people. And if they've had a negative experience about that, um, you know, I feel for them. And 
if they felt comfortable, I would encourage them to come talk to me or talk to Empire PD so we can try to find a way around that. Because I would never want anyone to feel like they shouldn't do something because this might be a particular hurdle that they would have to get through. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to hear that 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 isn't something that you've come across. I think a lot of the times... um like I'll I'll speak about this kind of thing with people and you you know you kind of say oh do, do you see it as a problem and unfortunately you know quite a few people I speak to do have stories of that experience so I I think it's really nice and I think it it um it kind of shows that that's not a universal experience and I think that's really important because you know as much as you know I have encountered the loud shouty man problem you know um or been treated differently because i'm female um i i think it's important to understand that you know just because you come to empire it's not inevitable that that will be your experience i think that's a really important thing Mm -hmm. to point out because um when i was thinking about going to empire hearing these stories i was like i don't know if i want to go because it just sounds like this is gonna happen and um and i've only had that experience like once and to be honest i just kind of said right i'm just not going to be around that particular player and everyone else has been great and the the male players around me have been really you know supportive and not treated me any differently um so i think it's it's really good to you know to ask you in particular about this because you know you you've you've had prominent roles within that space and you haven't experienced this i think that's a really good thing to put out because it's not universal if that makes sense yeah absolutely and and you know i i'm sorry to hear that you did you did have some some negative experience but i'm, I'm glad you've also had some positive ones to counter that yeah for sure and i think i think anybody listening who is interested in going to LARP, like don't be put off by by what people say because there are so many spaces within the game that are so supportive and and so brilliant um and and as you say if you do encounter it you know go and speak to somebody you know tell your friends um that that's what's happened tell pd um because you know it's the kind of thing that doesn't really i i really see empire as a place where that doesn't have a place you know that kind of behavior and i think you're right there's a difference between you know somebody's character saying to you you know why should i listen to you about that and it's like well i you know i haven't proven my worth yet so that's completely fair um so it's just kind of dividing out you know what is in character and makes complete sense and what is motivated by something else so i think yeah Yeah. I, i think you're absolutely correct can i ask a question Sure. Uh, what's your favorite military story that you have? Do you have like a oh. favorite, like a standout? Like you've already told us one standout that is amazing. But do you have another one? Um, I, I kind of, I kind of, um, have I have kind of two. Uh, one was also when when I was field marshal. I believe very firmly that anyone who goes onto the battlefield should know what the victory conditions are and what the objective is, and. It was actually right when the Empress had uh, been crowned. And so she had come to the battlefield and put her hand on my shoulder and said, I believe in this person. So I was like, great, great. This is great. Um, And because I'm sure I wanted to address everyone that had been assembled. And there was like over 500 people assembled. So my friend, uh, Matt Perry, who plays William Gildenstern, put me on his shoulders when I was in full armor. And I I addressed everyone who was there. 
as we're, we're, so I give my address, I'm like, right, do you know why we're here? Here's why we're here. I'm going to make this short and sweet, get in, do the job, right? We, we're getting ready to open the gate. And Dawn has this giant, giant flag that they're wheeling around and doing this fantastic, beautiful looking demonstration um, as they're using their magic to get the gate open. And it comes whistling around and cracks me full in the jaw. Oh, no. Everyone's, and everyone's watching me. And I just kind of tense up because I'm like, this could be a really bad omen if I, if I react. And so I just had to, like, stand very still and just not react. Be like, oh, no, it didn't, it didn't hit me. And people were like, did you see that? That General Flowers just got hit in the jaw by the flag. And I'm like, no, it was fine. It was totally cool. Um, so <laughs> it kind of helped this, like, tough as nails, like, you know, appearance that I have. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I just took this. Um, but, like, that was, for some reason, it just, it makes me laugh every time I think about it. But one of the thing that, things that really kind of stands out to me was, um, so we we did the battle in West Ranging and, and Flowers and um, most of my house. I actually, um, out of 11 people of my house that went out, only four came back that day. Um, so, you know, we all die, as, as you do. Mm. But later that night, um, there was a woman who had come to the marches. She was from the Brass Coast. She showed up and she said uh, she had been looking for General Flowers, but had heard, had heard the news and uh, she wanted to know if she could sing a song to House Balston. And I told her, you know, quietly, well, you know, I, I was this person, um, at, you know, we would absolutely love to hear your, your song. And she sang Heather Dale's One of Us, which is about a female fighter. And I, I actually know Heather Dale. I've seen her perform this song live. So this song has a lot of, of meaning to me. But this lady had, had, you know, came and sang this song because she had heard about my character and about what was possible, about how she could get involved and things she could do, and that there was possibilities for her on the battlefield and off the battlefield because she had heard these these general flower stories, this strong female fighter, um, it actually emboldened her to come to Empire, even though she had never actually met me. Wow. And to me, that is the greatest legacy that I could ever hope for. Is just, you know, I made a difference for this this woman. And I would just I I hope that, you know, other people will maybe come to Empire and get involved in fighting. Um, I would love to see more more female fighters out there and more uh, people getting involved. So for me, that's that's probably the the best like memory I have or my my favorite my favorite story was through all of my characters' actions. You know, none of it really mattered except that one person. It, it I got one person involved, and to me, that made all the difference. Oh, that's so wonderful! Such a lovely story. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <cool>. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like we have we have like fun stories and and stuff of 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 things, but I think that that particular moment uh, really really stood out to me. Yeah, it didn't so, it didn't only hit Rosie; it hit Rachel. Yeah, it hit yeah. Rachel, and and that's the thing is is you know you were in the military council, you know that when you become a general or an adjutant, your time is not your own. Mm. You are there for a purpose. You are there to help drive game for other characters, and. 
it's and sometimes you wonder I'm like why am I doing this why am I going to another meeting why am I <laughs> All this time, like, what is it? What is it for? This is supposed to be, you know, fun, and it is, but it can also be taxing. And her showing up, that was like, this is why I did this. So I made it all worth it. Empire can be death by meeting sometimes, which is absolutely it's, it's wild. Things it's, it's hard to find each other most of the time. But yeah, that's really good. You're right that some of the actions that you take uh, can inspire people to get involved. Um, yeah. speaking of which, what would you recommend to someone who's feeling unsure about getting into the military game? Um, to, to speak to people who are involved in it, to, uh, attend things that you can. So the way they used to have the military council was, it was an open forum where people could come and watch. And actually that's how I ended up picking my adjutant ultimately was, uh, my friend, my best friend, George, who plays William Hook. He was always there watching and listening. And so I saw this person who was dedicated to this much time. And I was like, right, I want him as my adjutant. Um, so just finding ways to get involved. Uh, you can go to some of the meetings. You can go to uh, your captain's meetings and just let people know, first of all, that you're even interested. Um and I think that's the biggest step is, you know, believing in yourself and putting yourself forward. And there's, and it might seem like it's a, it's a good old boys game um, and they reelect people over and over. But a lot of times those, those people, they do know that they need to get um, fresh new perspectives in. So really just making that interest known um, and finding any way you possibly can to get involved, whether it's just as a runner or being a line sergeant, even when people, we always need more line sergeants. Um, so just just things like that, just trying to get stuck in. Yeah, I think the the people with the hats aren't as inaccessible as they seem. It's just because it's hard to find them because they're running from meeting to meeting. But uh, yes. everyone yes. I've everyone I've talked to who's got a quote unquote hat, I'm like, can I help? They're like, for sure. Do you want to get super involved? And I'm like, whoa, okay, uh, yes. Um, yeah, they're just sort of looking for that person that can support this, you know, very very big job that they've taken on. Right. And, and being involved as a general is a, a different skill set than being a, a battlefield commander, uh, where, you know, as general, it's a lot of meetings and you're working on the story and the campaign overall, where on the battlefield, you do real time scenarios and you have real time consequences. So if you want to be involved on the battlefield, try to um, ask people who are active commanders and say, can I shadow you? Can I'd talk to you for a while. What advice would you give me? There's just things like that. Um, I mean, ask questions. And obviously that doesn't just drive up plot and game for yourself. It drives up plot and game for the person involved. It's like, wait, I'm a respected person. I'm just, you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. who's, who's decided to dress up this weekend. Oh my God, people are listening to what I'm saying. Right. And and the thing is too, is like for, for generals, they are in those positions because People believe in them and people want them to be in those positions. If they don't take time to speak with everyone else that's involved, it would be a very hollow position and you would not find yourself in it for very long. So, or at least that was, that was my experience is I always made time for anyone I possibly could, even if my time was running, you know, very short because I was voted into that position because they believed in me. And so it would only do me credit to believe in them as well. Yeah, for sure. So 
coming full circle now. We, I've got in my notes the Cambridge fight training. There's a lot of different uh, breakout fight groups from Empire all over the country. Um, but the the one you and I met informally where we were like, wait, you live in Norfolk? Yeah, I live in Norfolk. And you're like, why don't we hang out more? <laughs> it's like, yes. um, but yeah, you, you organize uh, the Cambridge fight training uh, when, when we're able to do it. Uh, and I thoroughly encourage everyone to try and seek out their local groups, even if it's just so you can go hang out and chill out for a little bit with, with people who you can rant about the game with. Right. So I started a initiative um, early this year before the pandemic hit, which if anyone is interested, they can go and look at. Um, there's a group on, on Facebook called Empire LARP uh, Weapons Practice. And I wanted to pretty much uh, get more people interested in fighting and then take it a step further and get people more interested in fighting. When we go to Empire, sometimes people are very rusty with their skills, which can make for unsafe fighters, especially if you're only going onto the battlefield uh, four times a year. So I, I want people to become safer fighters, um, to be more interested and, uh, and active. So what I did is I created this group so that way all the different fighter practices across the UK could come together and advertise their practices because most people didn't even realize that there was a practice uh, close by that they could take advantage of. Mm. This is, you know, something that I've, I had started to work on within the pandemic hit, so then we couldn't meet up anymore. Um, so I'm hoping once it's safe to do so, we can start scheduling some more practices. So I started um, having them down in St. Albans, and then I wanted to um, have them in, Cambr- in the Cambridge area as well. And usually, like you, you saw, like we can get anywhere between 15 to 25 people showing up to these practices. Um, because what I want to teach is hard skills fighting um, and also tactics and command with uh with the war game scenarios i i found them really engaging especially the ones where you've set a non non non-combat objective the getting uh the ball across the line whilst everyone's trying to because in larp fighting isn't just about you know grinding numbers out you know we've killed 15,000 orcs today. Don't worry. We can all go home. It's, we need to capture this or we need to move over here. It's the fighting is the means to an objective. And I think the war games you designed were particularly good at highlighting that and getting people to think about that. Yeah. So with, so with that game, so basically what happens is you have a a shiny dubis in the center of the field and your goal is to try and get that shiny dubis um, to the opposite side of the field. So the field will be broken up onto two, two different teams and the twist to that is each team selects a, a team captain. And I give them about 30 seconds to a minute to come up with what their game plan is. Once a goal has been scored, the team captains switch sides and you have to elect new team captains. This way, everyone gets a chance to command. Everyone has a chance to fight against each other and everyone has a chance to fight together. Because when you're out on the battlefield, if your commander goes down you might be the next person who is going to be stuck doing the command and you might have like three seconds to come up with what you're doing. Um, so just trying to get people to think very quickly on their feet, but also everyone wants to maybe try to command. So they're, they're given that chance to do so. Yeah. And build that confidence as well in quite Absolutely. a, in quite a sort of low pressure environment. So if you are anxious, but you know, one day you're sort of aiming for one of those, you know, 
big jobs in the in in the battle it, it's a great yeah. space to kind of give that a go and if it goes wrong it's fine like it, it you know nobody's going to lose their character or you know it's, it's so sort of, it's yeah. a bit more low stakes isn't it so i think it's a great way to build that confidence Absolutely. Like I, I am very fortunate that I've got to experience those different positions. However, I can say with absolute certainty, I don't want to be field marshal ever again. Um, <laughs> experience, but it was not for me. However, I absolutely love being a line sergeant. I love being on the front of the line and leading the child and leading that way. I like leading by example. Mm. Um, so if you are wanting to like try to practice these things, you know, talk to First of all, see if there's a practice in your area that you'd be interested in going to and see if maybe the people who are running it would be interested in doing um, some war game scenarios where people would have that chance um, to learn those things. But also, I would encourage people to, if, if they're interested in fighting, because not everyone is, and I can appreciate that, um, I would encourage people to look to see if there's a, a practice in their area. But also, if fighting is something that you want to do, but you haven't before, practice is a great way uh, to to learn those skills. If you have new armor, practice is a great way to see if that armor binds or catches in, in a particular fashion or to get used to wearing your armor again before we go back uh, to the field. If fighting is not for you, come hang out anyways and work on your, your projects and just hang out and talk and be with people. Um, so there's we're, we're always happy to have you there. So if fighting is something that you've always wanted to try, but you're embarrassed or you're unsure, practice is a safe space uh, to, mm. to give it a try. So and if there is um, a practice where you, you want to go to, you'd be able to try all these different practices. But also if people want me to come to their practice, I'm very happy to travel. So for Americans, 100 miles is not very far. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty easy. So I've I've been invited to some practices to to either run war game scenarios or to work with people, and I'm very happy both um, IC and OC to talk about fighting to work with people. If this is something that interests you, but you're not sure how to get involved, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with being um, embarrassed about fighting, or if you're intimidated or worried or scared because it's something that you don't know if you're going to enjoy. You don't like the idea of being hit because um, not everyone does. And it's not for everybody. Um, but if there's a way that I can help alleviate that or teach or facilitate, um, please let me know. So please seek me out. I'm absolutely happy to help out with that. That's great. Fantastic. Well, thank, thank you very much for coming on and talking so so enthusiastically about the, the military side of, of Empire. It's, it's really nice to hear it from someone who's got such a broad experience of the game and stuff outside the game to bring in inside. Yeah, but it's also willing to like share that and help people if they're not feeling as confident and kind of getting that first step into that part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anything I can ever do to help help people, I'm absolutely happy. And even even my new character, Rosie, she's involved more at a, at a, on a local scale of command um, and fighting stuff too. So please, please seek me out, IC or OC, um, if this is something you want to be involved in and, and I'll do my best to help. And I appreciate you guys inviting me. No, it's been so, a pleasure right. talking it's to you. It's been so interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. Excellent. Well, uh, by the way, a uh, friend Tom, I think, has found the Heather Dale song. So I've uh, posted that into the, the Discord <laughs> channel if everyone wants to listen to that and weep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it, and I have to I have to um, give a, a disclaimer. It, it's not about me. Um, some people have asked if if she wrote this about me, and it, it's not me. So, but <laughs> they would even ask that. I'm I'm very honored. <laughs> I'm sure there's a contract where you're obliged to say no first time, and then go, "Well, yes, it is me." Uh, but yeah, thank no. you ever so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait for us to to meet up again soon. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, on. I, I'm looking forward to hitting you with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, so, thank you very much for joining us for that interview. Uh, I, was, I was about to say what we've got to wrap up the show. Um, Hedge. Episode four will be up this afternoon if I get my act together and and put it up. Put it up. I believe that is the first stage of doing that. Yeah. Uh, we're actually about two or three episodes ahead of the schedule, so we've got plenty of of hedge waiting and lined up for you. Uh, episode four, I think, is possibly my favourite. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, as with anything, you kind of hit your stride a, a, a little while into it, and and you kind of. <laughs> you know, find the character a bit more and, um, you know, just sort of understanding the, the world that you're in. I think it's the same with any D&D campaign. You just kind of find a moment where you go, oh, oh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think... really nice. I think episode four, we've, we've got... We've started working very well together because obviously it's a bit different running a campaign one-on-one. But episode yeah. four, great. Episode five's great. And we'll soon be playing episode six and so we'll have to see how that... That plays out. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, but that will be up at projectheadphones.com forward slash hedge. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been following so far uh, and, yeah, chipping in. Uh, so, yeah, I I think that does us for today's show. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we have been Project Headphones Live. Um, thank you to our guests for joining us today. It's been brilliant and it's been so insightful and um, I, I feel like it's, it's kind of restoked my fire to get out there and give everything a go when it's safe to do so. Um, But I think Sam and I will be hitting each other with sticks um, outside, possibly in the garden today. (laughs) Um, uh, So yeah, if you're driving through Wyndham and you want to just come and observe from a safe distance, that's fine. (laughs) I'm sure it'd be worth a few giggles. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Our guests have been wonderful. Uh, Becky's been working very hard on the the show notes, so everything that we've mentioned has been listed in there. So thank you very much to Fran, who's been on. Thank you very much to Rachel, who's been on. And thank you to everyone who's been chipping in with little notes, uh, making the show great. As I said, uh, we are going to be changing how the show looks, but it's going to be, we're really excited uh, to see how that is. doesn't mean that we won't do this kind of format again. We'll probably do it because we enjoy it but uh we we want to try some cool and interesting stuff so i hope you join us along for the journey which i'm sure you will (laughs) Uh, i've been sam and i've been becky uh keep safe be kind to one another and wash your damn hands thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you in the new year yeah happy christmas happy new year bye 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 happy christmas (laughs) happy new year bye 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 (laughs)